tell you guys, there may not be any beginnings or endings to the turning of the Wheel of Time, but this was a beginning, and what a beginning. I'm I'm Lindsay, I'm here with Scott, and I'm stoked. We're here to Hello. talk about the Wheel of Time. Yes, we are. I don't, I don't know what Scott thinks. Like, I need you to tell me now. Like, yes, no, super yes, not at all. I have questions, but I will tell you this. I am very glad that I didn't read anything because my interest in this can only go up. Good. So there are things that I need filled in, and I know that the book can books can do that. Um, yeah. I think the rest a, of the show is going to fill a lot in. I mean, I hope so, because this has the... this. There were a lot of aspects to this show that were very Game of Thronesy to me, where things are just shown or introduced, and it feels like I'm expected to know what they are, and I don't. That's fair. I I look forward to going through them in this episode, and I will. First of all, for our listeners, this is going to be no spoilers for the books, full spoilers for episodes one through three yeah. of the Wheel of Time, and. There will be a couple of spots where I'll point out changes, but I'm not going to spend the whole episode doing that. And I'm only yeah. going to identify changes that I know they can't take back or expound upon. Like it's just, okay, this exists and it didn't before, or that's totally Right. Not. Like we just, we needed it for time and now it's there and we just have to move on kind of thing. Or so there's a few things that got added that I just think make enough of a difference that I'm going to bring them up, but it's, yeah. I'm going to, this is, this is going to be pretty safe. And so as we come across those things, Scott, I'll let you know if your questions are something that we covered in the primer, in which case I I won't spoil you with it, but or if it's like wicked a spoiler, or if it's not and you're supposed to have picked that up from the first three, I'll tell you. Yeah. Okay. Cool, 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 cool. So <clears throat> I'm super excited to talk about this though, guys. I I thought it was great. I was really I was so happy with it. Just like seeing these characters be so fully realized and and I thought that they were like it's just the first few episodes I think something that everyone needs to remember because there's some people out there who are not happy right now <laughs> those people well, there's need always gonna be people who aren't happy like that's, yeah. that's the problem yeah and and I think one thing that we all have to remember is like when we saw Game of Thrones for instance most people were able to binge Game of Thrones season one it wasn't oh, this yeah. like Everybody watch it, you know? So I think we need to um, reserve some of the ire that I'm seeing right now for the end of the season. Like, let's give it a second. But yeah. overall, I I just, this was a literal dream. Like hearing them say things like, oh, light, and the way they talk about the wheel turning and Nynaeve's braid, and they reference, like they call Bella by name. And they sing them a Netherin song and Matt tossed the dice. I cried when Matt threw the dice. Like, <laughs> like everything about Lan. The uh all yeah, the Lan is a badass. I fucking I love Lan. He's he's dope. Yeah. <laughs> so I can't wait to talk more about him. He's the best. And just like the the slaughtered sheep in the in the in that pattern. Oh, that was sick as fuck, dude. Yes. I know that sound that makes me sound like super creepy and shit, but I don't really care because that was sick as fuck. I thought you would like that and a lot of the horror elements in the Wheel of Time, of which there are a lot. Oh yeah. There yeah. were there were a ton. Uh, 
like not to jump around randomly through the episodes or whatever, but when it shows, no, do jump. That's the whole point. We got all of them. I'm I'm gonna mispronounce her name. Nynaeve. 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 Okay, so when it shows at the beginning of the third episode when Nynaeve is escaping, and it just yeah. shows the Trolloc silhouette at the end of the road, I was like, dude, this is fucking lit. It looked so good, right? Like yeah. all the scary stuff was awesome. Like you just can really tell that this was made by people who know the show. Like Rafe Judkins yeah. understood the assignment. He did like yeah. he's such an awesome nerd. And I really, really loved the thing that I loved the most about all three episodes was the way that Tam talks about the turning of the wheel and how with every reincarnation it's a, a chance to do better. And that is that is what the wheel of time is about. And the fact that they throw that out like early, I really, really loved just the way that they brought the wheel into the story and like made it, I thought pretty clear what that's about. And the way that the dark friend in episode three talks about, um, Dana, I was so let down. I was so heartbroken that she was a bad guy. Yeah. I was like, God damn it. Did you like her? I did. I thought she was like, well, I knew they couldn't stay there. Um, In that mining town? No. Yeah. (laughs) But I was like, dude, she's fucking cool, man. Like she gave him a job and shit. Um, And I'm going to get into like my, this is, so the number one reason that I want to read the books now more than ever is I have a lot of negative thoughts about everyone but Egwene. (laughs) I'm glad that you like her because she's awesome. She is. Yeah, she was really cool. And she's the only one that felt like, holy shit, like, I want to figure out what's going on. The rest of them are just like, I really want to go home. And it's like, Moraine has made it super abundantly clear that you fucking can't go home. Like, shut up. (laughs) Just, you guys have to keep going forward. And I mean, and ultimately, that's what they all decide to do, right? But they have those moments of doubt and like... I like that because they are like from nowhere. And and so something that they did skip that I don't think is going to come back um, and that kind of leads me into one of my my like early get it out of the way early points anyway. They they skip a quick trip that everybody takes before Shatter Logoth. They in the books, they stop at a city called Berlon that they reference Matt. And that's where Matt and Rand say that they're from when they're in the oh, little yeah, mining yeah, town. Yeah. And it's a city of very humble size, but it's near to the two rivers and they are like aware of it in their actual lives, but no one's actually ever been as far as Bearlawn. And when they go to Bearlawn, we get to see the kids be like in what we would look at and be like, this is really the stinky little city. And they are like overwhelmed, like to the point where in the books, they're like cupping their ears because they've never been around so much sound. Oh, so much noise. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, I'm well, I totally get why we skip Berlon. Um, I I also think that it would have helped to really hammer in how naive these guys are, because they are. And they're just they're like, no, let's we're going home, right? And and Matt has the girls to think about. I think that's why he is, is oh, so yeah. hell-bent on going home. Dude, right right off the bat, my first actual like thought of a character was dude, Matt's parents are pieces of shit. They are, and I I wanna talk about them. Um, I want to talk about all the two rivers people, but I kind of want to get this basic stuff out of the way. Yeah. 
Like before we dive into the characters, I just, it looked awesome and it sounded awesome. And they really leaned into the post-apocalyptic stuff. And I want to hear what you thought about that. Of okay. Like just the scenery. Thank you, God, for saying that. That was my first fucking question. Is this Earth? Yes. So the what they're trying to explain, and this is from the primer, but it is not spoilers. When they talk about the wheel of time turning and like what the wheel determines for you and that in an age called the third age, right? All the shit that right. they said. Time is cyclical on the wheel. Everything that has happened has happened before. And what Moraine says, her little monologue is like, um, doesn't she say this? Ages come and yeah, she does. She says the wheel turns and ages come and pass and legends turn to myth and, and even myth turns to memory by the time that the age that it came from comes around again. I'm paraphrasing. I'm not remembering it perfectly, yeah. but, but it basically is like the first age is our current time. The second age is the age of legends, which is what we talk about the primer. So I won't get into it a ton. Um, mm. But it was what Maureen talks about in the very opening of the first episode of like things yeah. were great. And then things got fucked. Right. That's the age of legends. Now we're in the third age. Four, five, six, seven, we don't know too much about, but we know that there are seven ages that turn. So it is our real world. And the post-apocalyptic stuff that you're seeing there, that's not from our time. That's from likely just Manetherin. That's probably not even as far back as the Age of Legends. It could be. It could be some Age of Legends stuff. Some of oh, because like <clears throat> when Rand is sitting at the top of the mountain... And, uh, or no, it's not when Ranson at the top of the mountain. It's when, uh, Moraine and Land decide, like, they're like, dude, we have to get, like, into this town, like, right now. We yeah, it's when they travel into. Yeah, it yeah. does a long shot and it shows what looks like a bunch of, like, pillars or whatever, but they all look like skyscrapers. They are. And they, but our time is so far away that shit would be dust. So it's not oh. from us. It's likely from, it's likely Manetherin. I don't think it, I think it's probably Manetherin, which is after the breaking and in, in the third age. It, but it could be the second age. It could be from the Age of Legends, but not as far back as us. Okay. But for sure, that's what it is. And, and in what Maureen's talking about in the beginning is, and we'll get into it more as we go through the episode, I think. And we won't go too far into it because we talk a lot about it in the primer. But like men who could use magic destroyed the world. And that's why it is kind of such a post-apocalyptic wasteland. Like that's what happened at the end of the age of legends is they destroyed the world. So they yeah, that was like, that was my first kind of thing. And I, okay. So <clears throat> I get that whole setup and like man's obsession with like magic is like an age old story. Just about everything that involves legend or magic has you know, that person that just people that want more magic and destroying what happens at the Atlantis movie. But, um, I thought it was interesting and maybe it's because I don't fully understand the story, but I thought it was interesting that they're immediately like men are no longer allowed to do this. Like only women can possess the power. Cause that's the first thing that we see is what I also thought was really weird. This a uh, guy in the mountains who is, I don't know, schizophrenic or insane or something. There's only, it's just him, but there's apparently two people there. And then one right. of the red Aja chicks who I'm going to ask this question as nicely as I possibly can. Um, 
Is that blonde lady supposed to look like that? I, yes. I agree that I, I'm like, there's something about the way they've done her makeup or something. Yeah. It's, it's her, I, it's her, yeah. are huge. They've, yeah. And I don't, that might just be, I don't, I don't know. That may just be what she looks like. I know. And I, but that's I, I her makeup anything, wasn't but... flattering. I know. I'm with you too. Cause I was like, it's not great, Landron. But, but okay. To, so, okay. Cause she, she's the one that's like, men aren't allowed to touch the one. Yeah. Source. Like only I, women can do this. I can explain this pretty briefly and without it being spoilery at all. Um, cause they're, they're getting there. They'll explain it more in full, but they have said enough that I think they want us to get this ish at this point. Um, what happened was it wasn't trying to get more magic. It was like, everybody was just dicking around and it was like, Oh, a funny thing. What is it? Let's poke at it. And it unleashed a bunch of evil basically like to keep it really short. They unleashed yeah. a bunch of evil in the age of legends as a whoopsie. And then they were like, okay, how do we fix this? And the men and the women disagreed on how to fix it. And the men were like, no, no, we got this. I can fix it. We have the way to do it. We don't need y'all. Like, we're going to figure it out. They went to try and figure it out on their own. And when they fixed it, they did kind of fix it. But there was a kickback, like a gunshot. And so while what they did worked-ish um, to seal away the evil that they released, which was the dark one, basically. They like released the dark one and they were trying to fix yeah. it. And the kickback destroyed their side of magic. So there's two sides of the one power mm. and it destroyed only their side. So it's not that like it is nowadays, like what we're seeing now in the third age. Yeah. Men aren't allowed to channel, but that doesn't mean that they don't still, it's a natural thing. People of all genders can have the ability to channel and men still do, but men who can get hunted down by the red Aja and fucking slaughtered or more likely and I think they'll show this later, have the ability to use the power taken from you rather than just straight killed, which eventually that will kill you. And th so they, the thing is that men, because it's tainted, they all go insane. And that's how the world was destroyed. They all went insane oh. to the point that like they used magic while insane and like continent shifting destroyed the world apocalypse, set everything back to nothing. It This was like a sci-fi futuristic society before that. And they, okay. yeah, destroyed society in the apocalypse because they all went insane and they had a ton of power and they just like literally destroyed the earth. Okay. So <clears throat> that makes a lot more sense. And that's what I'm talking yeah. about where I feel like I need to read the book because none of that gets explained. It's, it's so... just this lady is hunting down this guy who has an imaginary friend. And well, and I'm curious what you him. thought of the imaginary friend, because I and I'm not going to because I, I know what it is and I'm not going to spoil it. And I loved it. Um, but I'm curious what you thought about that, knowing that because they what they did say, even if it was confusing and they actually have a special like a bonus feature that mm. actually explains the breaking of the world because they know that it's confusing. So there is a bonus feature in the Amazon like extras. If you do oh, that, I'll have to go back and watch it. Yeah, they're like little animated extras. Which is cool oh, to cool. give you this background, which is why I kind of don't worry about saying this because Amazon's putting it out there. Like they're trying to fill this color in. Right. Um, but they do say like, oh, the madness already has you when they track the dude down. She, and yeah, she's like, she's there's like, nobody madness here. Already taken. There's no one here but you. So like, but they have, they, ha they gave us enough information in episode one to extrapolate what's going on there. Exactly. 
that I won't say, but it, they did give us enough information to put it together already, which I think is great. And so I love how they're doing it. Can I take a guess and then you can just say yeah. yes or no? Yeah. I think it's the dark one whispering to him. Okay. In the form of this like other person. In the form of this other person. Yeah. Okay. I don't want to tell you yes or no. I don't want no, to spoil this, it. Okay. All right. Unless you really want me to. No, or I can text. Like, do you want me to type it to you so that we don't spoil listeners? No, that's fine. Because I want to I wanna stay with it. Because uh, I am this. Like I said, like this very much has made me want to read the books now. So I am yeah. going to like dive into the book. Especially because we're getting ready to drive to California for uh, Thanksgiving. Oh, so, yeah. You could listen to it. Uh, as yeah. I keep saying, the audiobooks are great. Yeah, yeah. Listen to it. And I, I don't think, though, that the first book will help you to get the answer to that, which is something no. I really like and, and really shows how much Rafe really did understand the assignment. Rafe Judkins, the showrunner, yeah. um, by just like bringing things in that we really don't get until much later as elements of the show. Right. And being like, hey, and this exists. And so I really liked that, the way that they showed the madness. I was into that. And, uh, yeah. but so anyway, that's, um, I really liked the post apocalyptic stuff. My only complaint about it, like I say, is it because we don't have Berlon? I think it doesn't show us how naive the kids are. Yeah. And it really makes it look like the world is a wasteland. It really, because we just see it the tinkers. Did, yeah. Yeah. And with how much they leaned into the destroyed ancient society, which I love, like I wouldn't trade that for anything. I died when I saw that on screen. I literally died. Like I'm speaking <laughs> to you from the grave. I was so happy when I saw that, but <laughs> I like, dude, I thought Shadar Lagoth looked fucking sick as hell. And the Yo. whole story behind the city is cool as fuck. I know. Uh, my only complaint is, <clears throat> and this is just me like being in love with villains. I actually, it's like it's twofold. Like it's one, it's this, it's a an opinion of the same coin on the other side. I think, and this is just me because I've been exposed to so much pop culture and sci-fi and high fantasy and stuff by this point. I think calling your villain the Dark One is such a lazy cop out. I feel like he yeah. should have a name. And, and like he I, does. I know, I know, and I know that he does have a name eventually, but I feel like just calling him the Dark One, it just that's so. I don't know why. I just like the only thing I can think to use is generic. Like it's just it it's generic. I mean, it's me. like Mount Doom. <laughs> like yeah, it's, you're not but wrong Mount Doom at is all. Like, nothing else has ever been called Mount Doom. No, it's but so then, like, original and iconic. I so here's what I'll say about it because. Spoilers that I will not say are going to make you more okay with this as we go forward. Okay. By season two, remind me to come back to this issue with you and let's talk about how much this actually works yeah. um, for the plot and the characters and yeah, all and of the bad guys. Like, I right. trust me that this works out. And um, in a, for what is not spoilers, the Dark One does have a name, but by saying that name, you call his attention on you, kind of like the Eye of Sauron, so nobody says oh. it. I think they'll probably go into that at some point, but it's a whole thing that you can't say his name, so they call him this a litany of other things, yeah. okay. which then, spoilery, get interesting, right? There's like a, a whole situation that we'll talk about in season two when we get there. So, um, But I promise that the... that gets better. Okay, good. Um, and this is just me like wanting to verify it. 
that is the dude in their dreams, right? I. What do you think? I think that's him because he's every single time. Yeah, I think that every time they're dreaming, he's watching them. And the when Matt tells the dream, or not Matt, when Rand tells the dream about vomiting the bats, and then all the bats so were like cool. circled around there, which was sick as fuck. Oh my god! Um, I know. And I like how their dreams were different too. Like his was he pulled the bat out of his throat, but Matt was watching their next break in midair. Like yeah. that was crazy. But and then they um, show up in real life. Yeah, and, and then it's all happening at the same time, ostensibly. Basically, right? like, yeah. yeah. But, but they're asleep, so we don't really know. I know. Well, that was why I, I was like, wait a minute, hold on. But then the bats were circled around the front. But then Moraine says, I need you to tell me if someone, if that person appears in your dream again. So my only thought is either A, he's like, that is the main guy. Or he's like the witch king to the main guy. Okay. Okay. All right. I like your thinking. Certainly my only, because spoilers, right? Because this will be a plot point. Um, What I can confirm 100% is that um, our characters certainly feel like that's what's going on. Like okay, they, right. they, everybody is like the dark one is in my dreams. Like they, so yeah. that's for sure what, what they think at this point. Um, and, okay. and yeah, but I, I love what's going on with that. I loved the dreams. Yeah. So that was sick as hell. Let's Hold talk on. about wait, our wait, characters. Wait, wait, wait. I have oh, wait, one more question. Yep. And it was Ask about Shadar Lagos. Okay. Was the black that was chasing them part of the city or was that something that the eyeless did while they were in the city. It's part of the city. It's okay, why the Eyeless don't want to go into the city. And what's cool about, um, and you are saying it right the way that they're saying it. Shadar, look, I, I can't. It's Shadar, Shadar it's Shadar Logoth to me. I, can't, I don't know. They, it's the, I can't. God, let's see how they pronounce Mogidian when we get there. I, I oh hope it's God. Mogidian. Um, so it is part of the city. And the really cool thing about Shadar Logoth is that the evil that is there is not the same as the dark ones, bad guys, like the dark friends, the Trollocs, the, the, let's see, they're called, they're, they're not calling them Merdral. It's the Eyeless or the, Eyeless, yeah. or the, the fades, right? That's, they're using those terms. Those fades, are all from the book. It's just, they're, I'm trying to use the right, the ones that shows you choosing. <laughs> they have a litany of names. Yeah. Um, those guys are all like evil that serves the dark one and reports up to the dark one. Um, and like the guy that they're seeing in their dreams, like that's all that evil. Yeah. But Shadar Logoth is a different kind of evil. It's like bread of people, right? They were like these assholes who like very much like the ghost army in the Lord of the Rings didn't show up to fight. Right. They refused to help uh, Manethrin. Yeah. Fucking dick bags. Right. And so they're like evil rot of like, they lock themselves in there and it's this like evil that comes from men that like it. And that, that evil uh, has a name and we'll see. I'll leave it at that and we'll see what happens with it and where they go with it in the show. Cause it was a but, cool place. And I, yeah. I was kind of bummed that they were only there for like 12 minutes. And then like, cause they do a lot to like build it up. Like Moraine's like, what are we doing here? Like you've killed us all. And then, Oh yeah. She's so pissed. Yeah. 
It I has Moria vibes, right? The, the yeah. Eye of the World is very much an homage to the Lord of the Rings. And then for any listeners out there who haven't read the books, trust me that this is not just going to be Lord of the Rings. <laughs> like this first book is very much a Tolkien homage. And then this thing does a lot of very non-Tolkien stuff, even in this one. And I guess I'll just say, uh, you know, you don't hang something like Shadow Logoth on the wall to use it once in your first your first. Yeah, novel. I kind of was hoping that we would go back to that. Yeah, the world's only so big. We're going to, yeah, it's, don't worry. <laughs> Let them build everything up. We'll be back to all of these places. Every yeah. place that they mention and stuff. I'm like, oh my God, did you just say the Stone of Tear? <laughs> I would like very much to yeah, go to the Stone of Tear. Yeah, it's like, yeah, let's I go. Am- all the references to and so that's the thing it's like this world is not desolate the way that it kind of feels like when they're just and they've gone a very short distance i really wish that they would hook us up with like a better map there's a map in the special features it's not great um we haven't gone very far geographically at this point and so there's a lot of civilization out there um, they happen to be in kind of a dry spot on the map, but it does really feel like there's nothing. So I'm looking forward to seeing a city. Um, and I know that we're going to see the white tower at some point in the season based on the trailer, but. Oh yeah, we have to like, uh, if, if the whole, so, okay, that's, I think that's where the question needs to start. Is season one, just book one? I doubt it. Um, I think that there's going to be some book two stuff in there. And I know that there is a pretty significant destination in book one, not Berlon, that has definitely been cut. Um, and I believe that we will be in Tarvalon instead and that we're going to get a bunch of book two stuff because oh, okay. we don't go to Tarvalon in Eye of the World. So there's like, I, it, yeah, I think that it's going to mix it up quite a lot, maybe even with some early book three. Uh, but for the most part, in terms of like major plot movement, I do think it's kind of going to be limited to book one, start of book two. Okay. I think a couple book three things. I won't say what they are, but I think I think readers know a couple of things that we would we would like to see expedited mm-hmm. that I think we will be able to do that with. <laughs> um. But let's talk, let's like dig deeper into the characters. And I know we have, we have all the time in the world, right? Like this, maybe we'll make this into two parts. We'll just see yeah. what happens. <laughs> so first of all, in the two rivers, I'm really loving the way that they're handling the gender stereotype flip, which is a hallmark of this series. And I love it. Like, I love the way that they have, like, when they show up, first of all, the women's circle obviously runs everything, right? They're obviously in charge. Yeah, that was another thing that I didn't really understand if that got explained. Like, I was trying to pay attention, but Nynaeve didn't really say much to her. She just said, trust the river, and then pushed her in. And I couldn't really figure out what this was for. So she said before that, when she was braiding Egwene's hair, she said, you know, okay, this is, you're going to be a part of the women's circle now and to be a woman is to be alone and yet you're never alone. And that's what the braid yeah. signifies because it's one thing made of lots of things. Right. Um, and so they're inducting Egwene into the women's circle, which is the, in Emmons, <laughs> in Emmons fields, 
suffice to say, I'll leave out some of the uh, the larger governing bodies that will come in later that like the Emmonsfielders are like blissfully unaware of whose kingdom they're in. But oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> within they their own... seem to be in their own little pocket in the mountain. Yeah, we'll go with that for now. Um, we're going to do a lot of world building as this goes on and, and learn a lot more about what kingdoms are what. But the, but nobody does interfere with the two rivers. Suffice to say, there's no reason for them to believe that they're part of there's anybody's kingdom. Out there, yeah. No one's coming to collect taxes. So they're just because they're out there on the edge of the mountains. There's yeah. They're really kind of edged in there in a corner. So um, the way that their political structure works, the, the women's circle does pretty much run everything. But there's also a mayor. Egwene's dad actually is the mayor and the innkeeper. Um, and there's also oh, like okay. a men's council i think is what they call it i might have that wrong um so there there are both women's and men's little like senates and there's the mayor but it's like really it's the women's circle and really it's the wisdom really naive is in charge of all of this like for even if not on paper naive's the person everyone needs to uh um sort of defer to so she's basically in charge and so that's why she's doing She's the one who pushes Egwene and everything is because she's the one who runs all the shit. And uh, yeah, so we see that they they're pretty much in charge. And I love that when they go into the wine spring in for the celebration and it's it's winter night, right? It's the night before bell time, before their big celebration. So everyone's drinking and partying. It's like Christmas Eve and uh, and they're celebrating Egwene. And I love that it's Egwene's dad who's all like we you've got to start serving like every every empty cup is a coin we're missing out on or whatever and like her mom's like she's drinking with us fuck you and all the women are like clanking mugs and and in if this was game of thrones it would be some nagging woman being like we have to work and the dudes would be partying and i love this reversal it's so subtle and brilliant well, and I noticed that too. Like, so it stuck out to me as like it kept for I don't know who the woman was, but it kept showing this one woman, um, and then she was the one that came and put her armor on Egwene, and she was like, "She's drinking with us tonight." And I'm like, "Are we like I, that's dope?" Like, it just shows like they're all partying, and then it showed that like a bunch of old men were just sitting around a fire smoking, and I'm like, "Dude, this looks so chill." Yeah, they're. I mean, well, it's an homage to Tolkien. These guys are hobbits. This is the Shire, like yeah. basically. I kind of figured that. And when we see them later on. With the Trolloc attack, like, the women's circle demolishes that fucking Trolloc with their pitchforks. Like, they are very hobbity, the two rivers folk. Yeah. Very sturdy, and and they can take a lot. You know what I mean? They're really yeah. resilient. They're, they always bring, build back. They're the people of Minethrin, who, even when there was nothing left but the land, they rebuild it. And what something they focus on a lot in the books is that the day after the attack, which... This is where people complain about the pacing right now. And I kind of get it. And let's keep moving. You know, I'm like, I, I get why they had to move it along. But in the books, it's much slower for them to leave Emmons Field in terms of like the next day preparing and like, you know, yeah, 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 deciding yeah. that they're going to go instead of just like, because the Trollocs aren't on the hill coming down, right? They give that ticking time. That ticking oh, yeah. Time. They were like right there. Yeah, they had like, to go. Was- they In the books, that takes a lot longer and something they focus on a lot is how much, like, even after this fucking slaughter, the next day, it's just everybody's just fixing their stuff. They come out and just start repairing their houses because they just, these people are just super, super sturdy. They just keep going. That's, that would have been cool to see. Yeah. And it, it was also like a massacre in the show was like more 
than in the yeah. book. Like yeah. I was like, holy shit. That was I mean it didn't it didn't really show a whole lot. Like it's it usually does what most like village attacks show is like the thing the dark thing that's attacking them just jumps on someone and then it just like cuts to something else happening. Yeah. Um the fight with uh Rand's dad though and the other Trolloc in the house, like that I was like, dude, okay, cool. This is like a legitimate fight. Oh my god, the blade's like deep in his shoulder kind of thing. And then I don't know why I love this trope so much, but I love cursed and poisoned weapons. Mm-hmm. Well, because like must even be very if, pleased after we left Shutter Logo. Then I was, yeah, I was like, dude, this is okay. And that was another thing I wanted. I was going to ask later, but um, I we can love, save it. I'll bring that up later for sure. Yeah, um, I love that. Like even the Trollocs, who are very clearly these like mindless follow the master lead or like beast things. We're still like, dude, even if I don't cleave this guy in half, my blade is still going to kill this guy. Like, he's poisoned now. And I thought yeah. that was I thought that was just like a really cool, like, these things are just pure evil. Yes. And and for for listeners who have read the books, we'll say Narg's smart. Narg was very smart. You're right, Scott. Thank you. <laughs> that trollic in the books is like a particular trollic. Oh damn it! No, and it's great, and he's he's the only Trolloc that ever speaks, and he says Narg smart because <laughs> he's strictly freaks, <laughs> and it's a weird like it never happens again in the same fifteen books. The Trolloc never speaks shit. again, so I love that observation. Did, what did you think of that fight? What did you think of the presence of the sword and of Tam's ability to use it? And like, because they're gonna come oh, back to that. Yeah, that. I knew his dad was hiding something. His dad was one of those people, like, he was one of those characters that was written to, like, know more about the world than he was letting on, but he just wanted to live right. a simple life kind of thing. Uh-huh. Because he was telling stories about how his, when his son was a kid, and he took great, like, pride in those memories, which means he came from something that made him want memories like that. So I could kind of figure out, like, okay, this dude has seen some shit. And yeah. I'm almost positive i'm wrong but my initial assumption is that he was a white coat and that's why the sword has the crane on it that was my like first thought was like okay these dudes are because that was the that was the biggest part of the the first three episodes that i was just like what the fuck are we looking at? What am I supposed to know about these that I don't fucking know anything about? About the white folks? Yeah, I was like, I thought the Aes Sedai were like the end-all be-all power in the in the land. And then there's these <laughs> dudes that are fucking straight up hunting this chick. She He cut her fucking hands off? Like, yeah, that was so, crazy to me. Okay, so we're gonna get to all that, and I... <laughs> did the... Did the white cloak have a heron marked sword? It's a heron, the bird that's on it. Did oh, it's a heron. Uh, Did he have one? Like, he, why are we associating the birds with the white cloaks? Just, well, I well now I don't because I thought it was a crane, and cranes are pure white, and ah, I thought I that's see. what they were like. They were together, but the questioner didn't have a sword. The commander okay. did the one with the gold plate armor. He did, but the questioner who had the silver plate armor. The guy who ate the bird, like, whole, and it was, like, cutting the inside of his mouth and shit. Which, that guy Yeah. Was... His name I'm is for... Eamon Valda. 
Okay. I'm all for like sadistic characters and shit, but that one was just kind of like, dude, you're gross. Like you're not cool in like an evil kind of way. You're just like a dick. He is such a bastard. Um, definitely. Definitely you're correct. He is the worst. And and I I no, Tam was not a white cloak. I feel okay. confident that it's okay to say that. Um the white cloaks are religious zealots who they're just like policing the road too. They were just like, "Hey, who the fuck are you? <laughs> yeah. Why are you coming down from the the thing?" And in my mind, I'm like, "Just tell them the fuck off." Yeah, they they have a whole country that they run in the in the world. There's a ton of oh. different countries that they're gonna go to that are all part of this continent that they're on this big landmass, and they run one of them. And they have armies out all over the place, and they are like witch hunters. And yeah, he had a that... whole fucking belt of rings. Yeah. Which, that I thought was cool. I do like the idea of the trophy hunter villain. That is really cool. Yeah, and I want to know how he's getting how how's he killing the Aes Sedai? Like what what yeah. the fuck? Like and so they think they think that the magic that Aes Sedai do is somehow evil. It's not. They actually like the white cloaks as a as an ideology have all their shit twisted up because they're like, oh, men who can channel go mad and cause all kinds of trouble and destroy the world. So that means that all channeling is evil and Aes Sedai are witches and we should kill oh. all of them. And that's not correct. The one power is like a really good thing. It comes from the creator. Like it's the, it's part of the pattern and the wheel and all the things. And it's like a good thing, but it's been tainted for men, but that doesn't make it inherently bad. And the white cloaks are just these like insane religious zealots and they do have a lot of power, but they're like, they're definitely being made more menacing here, and I'm here for it. I really like everything they're doing with them, and and Valda is just like, whew, I like him. He was good. He I, we have a lot of diversity of bad guys, which I like. Yeah, that's what I, I thought. That was cool. I was like, okay, so we're only worrying about. I'll get into that later, but we're only worried about the Trollocs and then the eyeless guy, whose horse looks fucking dope. By the way, yeah, I just want to point that out. The horse looks sick as shit. Um. But then, like, then this guy shows up at the beginning, and I'm like, up to that point, I was like, this chick just, like, helped save these people, but this dude's killing her. What am I missing? And then I, yeah. I kind of got the whole, like, religious fanaticism thing from him, the way he was talking to her. Um, But also, he very clearly is, like, our sadistic uh bounty hunter character, or, like, our sadistic, like fanatic guy because he like he gets blood all over his hands and then he puts it on the silver cup and like doesn't care and he's bleeding from the mouth and doesn't care and yeah i yeah i i yeah i just want to know how he's managing to take to out all these eyes to die and i'm wondering like why did he cut her hands off was that be if because if they're trying to say that you need to use your hands to channel that's fucking stupid i'll be pissed if that's if they go there like that you can just cut their hands off and they can't channel anymore would be so stupid. But mm. so I don't really know what that's about. That would be a change that would annoy me. Um, but whatever, I okay, guess so uh, we'll actually, have to see if that happens. But that leads me into a question then. So, okay. So that kind of, if judging by your reaction, that answers a question I had while I was watching this. They do not channel or gain their powers from their rings. Their rings just identify who they are. Yeah. So the ring is what you get when you become a full sister. Cause there's a whole training 
regime that happens in the White Tower that right. I'm sure they're going to explain. So I won't go into it now. But when you become a full Aes Sedai, you get your ring and you join your Aja. And so the ring has the Aja color in it, which is a show change that I like. Um, I'm like, clarify who's who, because honestly, Aes Sedai are hard to keep track of. Um, there's a fuck ton of them. There's seven Ajas. So yeah. I, yeah, the color code the shit out of them. That's fine. So no, the rings do not give them their power. And, but they identify them as Aes Sedai and it's book accurate and fun to see Moraine take it off and put it on and flash it around where she wants to. Um, and where, and, and not where she doesn't. Right. Um, so I really like that. I like the way that she gives the ring to Lan. Um, I, yeah, yeah, I really did. I like that a lot. I like the design of the ring. Um, I can't wait to go to the tower and see what's going on there. But no, that's yeah. not where their power comes from. And they don't, to so to channel, you don't, like, they're, they're being very handsy because it's a visual medium. Right. But, I mean... And I and I like that, but like the way they describe it, sometimes in the sh in the books, when there's like a really hardcore channel battling or channeling battle happening, um, they describe it as like because if you can't channel, you can't see the weaves in the book. I don't know that that's going to be. I'll talk about that in one second. How I think they're changing that, but in the book, you can't see it unless you can channel. So when two people are having a channel battle, it's just two people standing and staring at each other, and that's all. Like from across the room and like sweating, okay. <laughs> yeah. which is like, I, they're not going to do that on TV. What I kind of suspect they might be doing, because one of my only complaints about this was that I didn't think the channeling looked great. I didn't think it looked as good as it could have. Um, it's supposed to be we a weave. It's supposed to be multiple threads of the pattern of different elements. Yeah, that's together. why the, the, op the opening thing is like a thread coming unraveled. Yeah, like a and it's like a loom. So and that's the wheel of time. The wheel of time is a spinning wheel, like in Sleeping Beauty. So okay, it's like that kind of wheel that and it it weaves the fabric of time, the the pattern, right? Is what they call it. And so my guess is that right now, when the viewer and our protagonists don't really know very much we're seeing channeling the way that we're seeing it. And it's just one color and we don't really see it making a weave. It's just sort of this mist and it's there, right? I think that once someone like Egwene, for instance, becomes more skilled with the power and we are seeing things through her POV, we might be able to see it a little more complicated. I'm hoping that she's going to get some proper lessons soon where right. we're seeing things a little more differently. Yeah. I mean... I think it, that would be a neat representation. Yeah, that would be cool. I'd be, I'd be, well, and I feel like it would just explain more. Yeah, because right now it just, I think it looks a little lame. I don't I know. I have no frame of reference. So it's just, say. yeah, I'm like, uh, I think we can do better. But while we're here, I guess let's talk a little bit about the Aes Sedai and then we can kind of back up to talk about our Emmons Fielders. Yeah, um, for sure. But I really love that from that first scene that you were talking about with the Red Aja, we know these guys are not always great. Like, the, I know that, like, they need to take care of men who can channel because they're dangerous. But, like, that was pretty a lot, right? Like, they seem really different from Moraine, for instance. Yeah. So I love how we know right away, like, they're not all the same. Like, this is a complex group of women. 
that there's a lot to learn about. It's not just like Maureen says we're all sisters. That doesn't mean that they always get along. Yeah, it it definitely felt like some kind of like honestly, it felt like a military with like different branches. Interesting. More like a more like a government. More like the Jedi, but if the Jedi all specialized. Actually. They do. That's the cool thing about it. Yeah, you said that with the different the colors, right? The different yeah, colors so of the, the lights. Color of their blade determines what you are, consular, guardian, or uh sentinel. So this is a lot like that, but there's seven different things and a lot of it is just like sitting in the tower and there's it's not a coincidence that it's called the white tower like they do sit in an ivory tower and like we see from the white cloaks yeah. they're not top shit in the world necessarily right it like depends on the situation so i really well, like that we're seeing that complexity. so that was like my main question when he talks about how like he's hunting like or when it showcased like he's hunting down the eyes to die like and then he talks about how like battalions of sisters had like left the tower or like groups of yeah uh them had left like eight groups or something um if they know that that's where they are why don't they just besiege the tower of Tarvalen or Tar uh, <laughs> Tarvalen Tarvalen <laughs> they might pronounce it Tarvalon which i don't know that my my like tongue can do i don't know i just <laughs> i've heard i listened to the audiobook so so many times and it's kind of oh, stuck with me shit the yeah the audiobook's um, gonna fuck me up then yeah i mean it's fine it's it's fine but yeah so <laughs> we're, we're gonna see a lot more of it so i won't talk about it for too much but like like they say in episode one they're like they say you can have one Aes Sedai come in and like fuck up a whole army like change yeah. the course of a war right <laughs> So if they have like a group of six of them, like trust me that we're we're just starting to see what they can do. Like we're definitely by no means do we have a totally clear picture of their power ceiling at this point. Um, we have seen one Aes Sedai working against an entire fist of Trollocs, which is what their big armies are called or whatever. Yeah. Um, and tired while doing it. Like I. The, trust me that the, you don't want to just go to Tar Valen. You get your ass handed to yeah. you. The white cloaks don't go anywhere near Tar Valen. Like they, that's the one place where like you very rarely see a single white cloak. Like they know better. Like they would never come after an Aes Sedai within sight of the White Tower. Like they would fuck you up so hard. But <laughs> running across, you know, one maybe in the woods. I, I think we're going to have to find out more. I think they're going to tell us more about how they're catching Aes Sedai. I have a theory. Yeah, because... What we're going to see. It seems like... He... The way that he talks and the way that, like, it kind of showcased him, like, interacting with her, he was the one that caught her. Uh, because you mean the that... Valda... Yeah, Valda, because that yeah. kid brings Valda a gift and says from or uh, a gift for your victory from the captain. Like it makes it seem like he did that alone. Yeah, and I'm just not sure how. Like yeah. I, because I we're gonna have to see. They're going to tell us more because I'm I'm not so sure about all that. But we're gonna find out. And the best thing though, like. 
I, so, okay. I really liked the way that the distinguished Moraine's Gandalf figure, which is what she is from Gandalf. Like, in no way would Gandalf or Dumbledore have allowed that boatman to die at Terran Ferry. Right? Oh, yeah. No, yeah. or like, just no chance. Like, Obi-Wan wouldn't have allowed that, I feel like. Yeah. No way. So I, I did like... think that was... I was actually pleasantly surprised by that. I I genuinely did think that she was like, well, then you doom us all. And like she, they have to run even further now. I actually was kind of like, dude, okay. I'm super like, I'm okay with that. Yeah, it it really like shows what an Aes Sedai Moraine is because she is very Aes Sedai for being, um, you know, for sure one of the good ones. She's very Aes Sedai in that way of just like, no, I won't allow it. I don't give a fuck. My mission is the first thing. And it, and she's right. She's absolutely right. Well, yeah. But the eyes that I are really not afraid to be like, yeah, no, what I say is more important. I don't actually care about your family. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, she kind of does that when after they have the dream and Rand gets all pissed off at her. She's like, do what you want, but I'm run out of time. And then she just leaves. Oh, yeah. And well, but and then Loki, like Lan is still there yeah. to make sure that he comes. Yeah. And her relationship with Lan is the most perfect, perfectly adapted thing I may have ever seen in my life. I mean, it is just gorgeous. It's just beautiful. Their yeah. bond. I So tell me, I really wanted to know this from the perspective of someone who has not read the book. Do you think that they're fucking? I think they have in the past. I don't think they are now. Interesting. Love it. Because... He gets into the, they're very familiar with each other and he gets into the, the bath with her and then she heats it up or whatever, but that's it. Like nothing else happens. And, but when he's like caring for her, it's more like a steward. It's not like I have to protect my lover or whatever. He is very like business first. So I don't think that they are anymore, but I think when they were younger, maybe, or when they first met her, he was for, I don't know how it works, but like when he was first assigned to her or whatever. Okay. Okay. I'm not going to say, I'm going to let it unfold because I don't know whether they might change it. Um, yeah. so I'm going to let it unfold, but I, and I know they're going to talk a lot more about the bond, like just based on things that, that the showrunner has said. Um, well, and Nynaeve said, like, it said, I don't know what she called him, but uh, it said that warders. whatever he was, Warder, um, could feel her pain, and nothing happened when she started applying the the medicine to Moraine. Like, he didn't flinch or get hurt or anything, so I don't know why they even mentioned that. Um, Fair criticism and... Yeah, I'm not sure it was totally made clear. Um, but what they're trying to say is, even though that looked like it hurt like a bitch, like that looked rough when she squeezed the pus yeah. out of Moraine's wound. Um, that's how badass Lan is, is what they're trying to say. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I don't know that that was super clear. I think that's fair. Uh, yeah, not at all. <laughs> um, that's what they're trying to say, because Lan is so fucking awesome and there's so much more to learn about land that i won't talk about here but um he's the best and i loved like i loved his scars when he's getting into the tub yeah and oh just seen some shit 
Oh, yes. Yes, he has. And the way they fight in tandem because of the bond, he knows what she's going to do and she knows what he's going to do. Yeah, and that was cool. He like just has her back while she's doing her weaves, and the way he like catches her when she gets stabbed because he knows immediately that it's happened. Yeah. And like when he covers her from the explosion, and just like they are just such a an awesome yeah. team. I really I did love like the way they're them. showing it. That was really cool. <laughs> I, and I really love his like fucking try me attitude when Land and Nynaeve try to step up to him. Oh yeah. <laughs> Not together, but they each try to at one point try to like step up, and he's just like, "No, no, no, not today, my sweet summer children. Fuck you! I would Dude, destroy she has a knife you." In his throat, and he's like, "It's not." And then she almost does, and he's like, "Wow, I actually thought you were going to try and kill me." Like you actually tried to do that? Yeah, he's he's so awesome because he's because nobody fucks with Lan. Certainly not at this stage in the story. Like I. Oh my god, he is so awesome. I really, really... He was he was probably my favorite. Um, just in terms of like how well he was adapted and how well... It, like Just all-around perfection. Lan yeah. is turning up to 11. Um, he was incredible. <laughs> and I really liked Moraine's one-on-ones with the girls. She had time with Nynaeve. In, time during which Nynaeve is perfect. She's my number two or tied for... Like the best oh, yeah. adapted I character. I remember where she met her, but she meets her in the pool. Yeah, she does, which I think is, um, we saw that in the first trailer. We see Egwene with all the colors on her coming up yeah. out of that pool. Either that's going to happen in a flashback or a dream. I actually think it might be a dream. We're going to see. Oh, okay. Because we didn't see it. I thought we would see it in episode one. I low-key oh, yeah, can't believe that was in the she didn't go there. No, we didn't see her. We didn't see her in the pool, but we see Nynaeve cleaning it, right? Which tells me that they do something. Or it like just there. happened, yeah. Well, and we know that it did. It's that same day, right? Yeah, because she tells her it was a privilege to clean that. So it's very clearly like an important place. I think that it must be like something we'll get in, in flashbacks where it's part of the ceremony that we just didn't see. And I, I don't know, because that's not in the books. So that was really fun for me. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, the ceremony to join the women's circle is not shown in the books. So that was dope. Like I was, I super, super a lot approved of that. Um, yeah. I like really, really as much as it's possible to approve of like added stuff. Like I approve of that. Um, the, the way that they like trust the water yeah, that was remember cool. Eventually that she concept. just like calms down and then Yeah, the... remember that. That's gonna come back. <laughs> like that was like, oh my god, yes, that makes fucking sense. Like it was one of those changes where it really is like Rafe understanding the assignment, right? Of like yeah. if you're gonna make a change, make it something <laughs> that is like I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I can see that. I can see how that works. Like again, it's just oh, it was beautiful, beautiful. I did like that she does calm down and then the river's like, I got you. Exactly. Exactly. And it's so much the yes. Um, And I I really liked still on on Nynaeve Nynaeve's braid. Nynaeve's braid is like a character in the books. It's Yeah, they made a huge deal about it. Yeah, it's 
it's very, very important. And they did a really, really good job with it. And Zoe Robbins, who plays Nynaeve at the red carpet last week when they did the premiere in London, she was like, no, I am like aware of the braid. She's like, I know about this. I get this. Like I brought this to the character. I promise you the braid is important. Everyone's like, it's like cheering from the bullpen. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I really loved her, her mysterious backstory. And my questions for you on, on Nynaeve are, okay, wait, first of all, I just have to mention how she screamed when the Trolloc attacked them and she just yelled right back at it. That was cool. <laughs> that was the most Nynaeve thing that has ever Nynaeved. Like, I was like, yes, that's exactly what she would do. She would yeah, just yell back at it. Because <laughs> um, in the books, we don't see Winter Night. So that was really cool. We don't see the attack on the town. You only see the attack on Rand's farm. Oh, and that sucks. It's it's very, very different. Um, and I'm really happy with the changes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm fine. It's I I won't I won't say what happens really instead in the books, just that we don't have the point of view of anyone who's in the village. And it's it's cool to see it. And Nynaeve would absolutely have just screamed at that Trolloc. Um, but what I want to ask you is, first of all, did you buy the fake out death that we had in episode one and through episode two? And um, yeah, did you buy that? Oh, I, not for a second. And the only, the main reason I didn't buy it is because they dragged her off. They didn't just kill her right there. Right. Yeah. I knew she wasn't dead. And they put too much time into explaining stuff about her for them to just be like, no, oh, and she's gone. Right. They made her wicked important, which is my other yeah. question, which, cause I didn't, so I didn't buy the fake out death either because it's like, I would have preferred it. She, she also in the books doesn't leave with them, right? She tracks them down, which is really important that she tracks down land was just such a great moment. And yeah, and her he's ability like, he to needs to know how she did that. And yeah. she's like not telling him. I need 1000 times more scenes with the two of them. Yeah. Like, that was incredible. I love when he he's like, what the fuck? And he has to knock her out because she just can't be stopped. Like, my yeah. name is so great. But so um, she needs to do that. She needs to track them down after. And her a huge part of her character is coming to find the kids who she really takes responsibility for as the wisdom that she takes so seriously and that she's older than them, right? She's like six years yeah. older than them. And... Yeah, like that's a huge part of her character motivation is like to bring them home. Like that's what she's come out there to do. So that needs to happen. But I would have preferred it if it was like they knew she was alive, but she was injured and knocked out or something like that. Yeah, honestly, what it felt like to me, and this is because this is the world I know and this is how I can relate to things. It felt like when everybody was supposed to think that Chewbacca was dead in The Rise of Skywalker. Ridiculous. And I'm just like, are you fucking kidding me? No one believes that. Like, yeah. with, with Star Wars, that's how I was. With this, I was like, no, nah, she's totally alive. Like, she's got to come back. Well, Especially she's because... in, like, all the promotional stuff. Like, it just yeah. seems like that was a little bit ridiculous to me that they think she's dead. But also, I mean, maybe it would have been nice if it was a little bit of a dramatic irony. Like, if they'd shown us that she was alive and, like, the cold open of season of episode not... two. Yeah, I have the characters not know because that worked for Ran and Egwene, right? I so I don't know, but my my other question for you about Nynaeve, um, 
hang on, where did I have it? I just lost it from my brain. Um, oh, do you think that because Moraine's like grilling her about when she was born and we know from earlier in the episode that they're looking for someone who's 20 years old because they said all four of the Taviran that are in the city, which they don't explain what that is. So I won't either, but that's coming. Um, they're like, they're all 20 years old. Like, it seems clear that they know the dragon is 20 and she grills the shit out of Nynaeve to figure out that she's 25 or 26. So, and oh, then, so she knows like how long she's been there. Yeah, she's trying to figure out how old she is um, because she's trying to figure out if she might be the Dragon Reborn. She's trying to figure out which one of them it is, right? So she's grilling everybody and she finds out that Nynaeve is like 25. So she also finds out that Nynaeve is not from there. Yeah. From the two rivers, which is to which is rare, right? Like they're all the pretty like podunk and bred little town, right? So it's it's really rare to be an outsider and so do we think that she's more of a contender because she's not born there or less of a contender because she's not the same age? I think she's less of a contender because she's not the same age. And I don't know why they would put so much time and effort and emphasis into Egwene just to make someone else be it. This is what I think. So you think, yeah, go on. Okay. I think that all four of them are the dragon in some way. However, this is going to get into my, this is where I'm going to like segue into my, like my whole thing about why I need to read the books because the characters piss me off. Rand is a fucking dick. I, he is so annoying to me. I'm just, dude, he is such an asshole. I know, you're not wrong. No, he is. That's Rand's character. He's basically Anakin Skywalker. He's yeah. So but then he like episode two. Bulldozer. Well, yeah, exactly. Like, And he fucking, like, he bulldozers down this supposedly impenetrable wooden door. Yeah, I want to know what you thought of that. What the so fuck was that's that? Why I, that's why I think that they all have some... I don't I don't want to say like they're all going to end up being like related in some way because that's just dumb. But I think that they he like the dragon was reincarnated this time like among these four children, not like in a soul singular person. Because okay. while you said like everyone can use the power, like Rand has never done that before and then just naturally blows the door down. Well, and it's not that everyone can use the power. You have to be born with the ability to use the power. It's just that men still are born with the ability, oh, even though okay. the I said I hunt them down. Um, the fact that the male side of the power is tainted doesn't mean that men can't still channel and that men aren't okay. still born with the ability to channel. They are. It's just they will eventually go insane. Okay, um, so then that also leads. See, here's the problem is there's like I'm of two minds on the on the possibility here. And this is why I like I'm really excited to watch more and I'm I'm excited to like read more. I on one side I think they all four are. And then on the other side, Matt has shown absolutely zero proclivity for anything other than oh, self. Matt. Like, dude, honest, I swear to God, my first thought was, dude, it's Klaus. I yeah, you know, a little bit he is. And I love Klaus and I love Matt. I know, and, and I love so Klaus, should we, but Wait, okay, all right. I'm going to let you finish your thoughts on this because I do want to like deep dive into Matt and Perrin and Rand and Egwene a little bit. Okay, so Perrin is the last one that I'm going to like. So, well, so like 
Matt is the only one that I understand would be okay to just go back to the town. Because the girls. The girls, he's shown no proclivity for anything except theft. (laughs) He stole this fucking dagger, which at first... Okay, so this was my first thought, was when he touched the dagger was what unleashed the evil. It, It, like, made the black spread in the city. Because that, as soon as he picks this dagger up, it's like, hey... It um, likely is what alerted the evil that there was people in there. I mean, they did say don't touch anything, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, kind of gonna... everything in, just as a quick sidebar, everything in Shadow Logoth, like the reason they say don't touch anything is that like everything is part of that evil. Kind of like a, yeah. it's sort of like a hive mind evil. Not really, but in that like picking up the dagger could very well notify it. It's like part of it. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. part of the, it's the city is alive and like it figures shit out like from every nook and cranny. Yeah, that kind of ma- and that made sense to me. But then I was like, why is the dagger just like there? I mean, all and kinds it's of not shit just is there, there by chance. Like it's it the dagger has to be important in some way. It can't just mm-hmm. be a dagger. No, it's not. It's the dagger is absolutely important. Okay, cool. That's what I thought. So that's the only thing that kind of makes Matt stand out now otherwise i would be like dude he there's no he hasn't done anything to make me like think like oh yeah he could potentially you know have power or whatever um and then we get to perrin who i immediately know without the shadow of a doubt there is something in his blood that has to do with wolves oh yeah they're making that i think they're making that pretty clear i think i can say yes to that abundantly clear um my problem is, and I don't know if this was the actor or the pacing, but he does not seem to grieve his wife that he killed in any way. You don't think so? He's crying he, in like every scene. So like, first of all, he, I think it's the acting that was like, it just didn't feel, it didn't, it kind of was just, I was like, dude, this is kind of like you're doing a bad job of this. When he really? killed her and she, he's just looking at her while she's convulsing. He's not like, stay with me, stay with me. Like, oh my God, hold on. Like, hey, whoa, what the fuck? He's literally just like, hey. Oh, I think he knows it's, it's over. Yeah. I, I think he, I, I think it's more shock of like, so I guess, yeah. okay. While I think that that's valid, I will say that for me and for my friend who I watched with, like she loved Perrin. Like Perrin was her favorite and she was like dying for him. Like, I feel like Marcus Rutherford did a good job. I feel like he sold it. I, I disagree. I enjoyed Perrin's. I, I thought he seemed okay. I, uh, how to say I'm, I'm leaning on, on Kim's having really liked it as, cause she hasn't read the books, right? She knew oh, absolutely yeah. nothing. So she knew nothing and she really liked it and it w- it worked for her. Knowing Perrin, I thought it was a beautiful portrayal of like his character because he's very, his his whole thing. He seems like a soft giant to me. He is. And he's very like, um, one of the lines in like the early part of the book, there's like a huge crowd for Beltine and it's like, I'm going to paraphrase it, but it's basically saying like Perrin could easily have like moved the crowd aside and moved through it with like barely 
a pinky. Any effort. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But he's very deliberate and he's careful and he's aware of how easily he could hurt somebody by accident. And he's so careful and deliberate in his speech and in his movements. And they really hammer that in. Like that's a huge part of his character that he like people think that he's a little bit like slow or not really there or doesn't that's kind of what i figured like everybody kind of talks to him like he's gonna need another second or two to understand what they were saying yeah and it's not that he needs another second it's that he's so deliberate he really thinks before he does or says anything and he has a whole crisis of confidence is a whole part of his character of like yeah what should i do like if it's fight flight or freeze perrin freezes every single time <laughs> and so well, it's it's i thought it was like for me knowing perrin's character i was like that is fucking dead on marcus read the book like <laughs> well and that's like that i get and that i totally get it that not everyone can be brave in the face or whatever and he did definitely just go through and i totally believe he's in shock still and he's having a hard time wrapping his mind around this my, I think the the above all else, the thing that really kind of ticked me off was why is he not telling anybody about this wound on his leg? Yeah, I'm not sure why he's not mentioning that either. I I don't know why he's trying to be such a hero now. I get why he's not telling Egwene. He's very obviously trying to protect her. Oh yeah, when they're because he has survivor's guilt and he's guilty over killing uh, his wife. Who at actually when we first see her. When she's still working at the the forge, I thought she was pregnant. I'm wondering that too. I'm really so. Let's talk about about Perrin. Let's continue this because she Perrin's wife does not exist in the books. This is all new. Like this is the one Shit. thing. I'm, okay. Like, yeah. This is she is not a book character. Full stop. They are all virgins they're like 16 17 they age them up like rand and Egwene are together it's like it's like this but they're not fucking like oh, they totally fucked oh 100 percent. and i love that change i think it's great age them all up but um and i really approve of this change with parents wife and a lot of people do not and i have to disagree with them because parents storyline going forward will make more sense because of this and I think that in a story with this many strong female leads in this matriarchal society, I don't think this is fridging. I don't think that counts when your story is mostly women and women of color. Like it's, I'm like, I don't think she's fridged. I think, I think this is going to serve a real purpose later for Perrin's character. I really support this change, but I didn't understand why that, why she was so unhappy. And I think we're going to get flashbacks and learn more about it, which I'm here for because I would love for them to take something that there was no time for. Um, but will make everything that happens with his character much less exacerbating and better. Cause there's some of the shit that people complain most about in the books is like parent related and oh. this will improve it a lot. <laughs> Like, I look forward to multiple flashbacks where we really make this an impactful part of his character. Yeah. That's, I mean, like, everything about her, she just seemed totally uninterested in what was happening around them. And they do say it, like, right in the beginning that they're newlyweds. So, yeah. like, was she just unhappy being married, or? I'm... I think there's a definitely a question mark around whether she's pregnant because the way that he came up and like held her stomach 
it just, but also I just feel like if she was pregnant, we were supposed to understand that, that they would say it, but it might be yeah. something that's supposed to be a reveal later, but it's really obvious. I'm kind of not sure what they're going to do with that. I'm more wondering if she's a dark friend. And he doesn't know it, but that we might have that revealed eventually. I think she might be a dark Ooh, friend. That would actually be kind of cool. Dude, because when Perrin turned around and like right before he hit her with with the axe, and I do want to point out the juxtaposition of weapons here, that she has the blacksmith's hammer. Right. Yeah. And he has the axe. And just let's all just remember that. And he turns around with the ax and she's got the hammer up over her head and there's no other Trollocs. Like she walked into that room. It's not like she was in the middle of battle. Like he was like, she was like about to take him out. Yeah. So I kind of feel like, and also something was up her butt. Like I'm like, what was going on? And then what really made me feel like she might be is that he has the dream in episode three where the wolves are attacking her. Yeah. And that makes me feel like she's a dark friend. I would. I would be okay with that. I think that would be a pretty cool twist. I really think that might be happening. Um, <clears throat> and also just, just how much like out of control Perrin is when he kills that Trolloc. Yeah. Just, just that. And that he's and the ax and, yes bravo i approve <laughs> this is being done well <laughs> um i do have a question about this though does does perrin bring either weapon or both with him no he that was the other thing i noticed literally only rand has weapons because rand brought the sword and his bow right yeah and then perrin doesn't have anything and honestly i that part i don't blame him for like why on earth would he want to carry the the axe Mm -hmm. well why indeed and let that take us through the next like seven years of television yeah (laughs) (laughs) why indeed um but i get yeah i get why he doesn't have that on him he's carrying her body into the town square i get why rand does because he was traveling through the woods all night, which they don't show. And that is like more what we see in the book rather than the fight at winter night is like Rand trying to get Tam to town, um, which is not, they were like way, way up on the mountain. Yeah. And so he has his weapons with him and that makes sense. Cause he's on this like adventure to get Tam into town. Um, Matt obviously has the dagger that, that Perrin's wife made that he gives to Perrin obviously has that with him. And then he has this shatter logo with dagger now. <sighs> yeah. 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 I forgot to get the other dagger in a recurring segment called Matt. Why? <laughs> yeah. He just, yeah. It, there were a lot of things about Matt that I was just like, dude, me, what? Like, what are you doing? Why do you got to do that? He, I, I will say Matt and, Matt and Egwene are my favorite characters and they're very, very different. So they're like my favorites for different reasons and at different moments and they never compete with each other. You know, it's really funny. And I feel like you kind of like anybody could expect this if they know me. Um, all four of them are not my favorite character. My favorite characters, you don't actually even meet him until the third episode. 
Yeah, you like the the bad guy probably, right? No, I like the fucking singer. Oh, Tom Marilyn. Yeah, dude, that guy is <sighs> fucking lit. Well, let's talk about Matt and Tom because I think that was a an interesting spot for Matt too. And the only thing I'll say on changes on Matt before we talk about everything that was happening with him and and Tom, um, is that his parents are a big change from the book. Matt is oh. more of like his dad, Abel Cawthon, is like Tam 2.0. And oh shit, okay. Don't get me wrong, Tam and Abel are a are fucking awesome together in every conceivable way. I love them. They're great. And I just I think that this makes Matt a lot more interesting and I think that it makes the two rivers more interesting and more realistic that not everybody's this perfect little sheep herder and like Matt's life sucks asshole right now and like I I think that the changes that they've made really help support everybody's story arcs and i just don't need matt's like great dad i'm like it's matt's dad is awesome in the books yeah that that kind of i feel like that would have kind of taken away from unless he had died in the then in that attack i feel like if matt's dad had been like leading a fight or like fighting back or something like that i feel like that would have taken away from matt being the one that like saved the daughters yeah, I really need Matt to have that that relationship with the girls, which like they are in the books and they are awesome. Um, and Matt does love them. And Matt is just Matt's like this hero that will that says with his last breath that he's not a hero. Like, you know, but he is. Yeah. But he super, super is. I mean, even when he's stealing, it's to get the girls lanterns for Beltine, for God's sake. Yeah. Like it's like, but I I was very happy to see Matt gambling because that's a cornerstone of his personality so i was really really pleased that that's how they introduced his character and just more little things that they did just to say like to me and to other readers like we got you we know don't worry it's okay he has a dice cup it's all gonna be fine good 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 because he only kind of showed <laughs> the dice thing like one time and i'm from my like preliminary reads of stuff apparently that's like really important like really super important like i did you see my instagram yesterday when i posted like seven thousand stories of yes, you did. me waiting um that's my wheel of time t-shirt i have is the dice and it's this time to toss the dice which is matt oh that's cool matt's catchphrase because matt is just matt is the best and matt in the eye of the world is not the best the eye of the world being the first book um but trust that like matt and Egwene are in my top five characters in fiction like these guys are awesome and Nynaeve is tough not to have in there too honestly Nynaeve might get yeah. in there just from how good Zoe Robbins is right now like this might be one that like gets better by being on TV because she's incredible but I really liked Brandon and Gwen though I like their contentious relationship like how they're like fighting but then they have makeup sex like right in the middle of the wine spring and then they're oh, like yeah <laughs> like what <laughs> Like that's yeah, her that was... parents own that place. Like they're all of their parents are both their parents are upstairs. Yeah, that <laughs> was the only part where I was like, "Hey, maybe go fucking somewhere else." Yeah, why are you fucking in the kitchen? Like, Egwene has a bedroom that they obviously did ultimately go to because he was like, "You fell asleep, or you let me fall asleep, or whatever." Yeah, you let me like, fall asleep upstairs. Yeah, I really like that they're aged up and that those two are banging. That makes me very happy. I uh yeah that was cool I like that the break into the fellowship sort of happens during their fight slash makeup slash breakup um 
and that they're like thinking of each other. I thought that was really sweet. Like he's gonna go where you're gonna go. I Egwene and yeah. Perrin are friendship goals. I love them. Yeah, I mean, she's definitely like looking after him. Um, and I did like the whole like, did I start the fire or did you think? Although, this is a problem I have with um, sudden hero tropes. Like she, they all are like suddenly thrust into this hero role, and she's shown like how she can channel the magic through the necklace and stuff. There's no reason she should be able to light that fire right now. She's been shown absolutely <laughs> nothing. She doesn't know what to do with her hands. She doesn't know how to do literally anything. And then she's just like sitting there with her hand, and then the fire lights. And I do kind of think it was her, not him. Because his sparks weren't flying enough to light the fire. I can tell you that it 100% was her. Yeah, I figured. Um, And Egwene, they definitely, because they're faster, like we're not able to see as much here as we can in the book. Um, And, but... Sticking to just what they gave us in the show, Moraine says, you were going to do this one way or, no- or another. Yeah. And there are women who have the the ability, like the potential to be able to do this, who might not do it one way or another. There is a distinction that they'll go into. And for Egwene, she was always going to. And Egwene right. is like awesome. And while it takes her longer to figure that out in the book, um, I do. I'm like, yeah, no, sure. She can. That's awesome. Like she's, she's been practicing more than it's able to show, but like, as soon as she in the book, as soon as she figures out that this is an option for her, which happens right at the same time, it does in the show. Like Maureen takes her out and has that talk with her. at the Oh campaign. yeah. With the necklace. Okay. Yeah. They do that with the necklace and where it's like the first two were me and the next one was you. And like, they do all of that in the book and have that interaction. And from that point on, basically, Egwene is like, try and fucking stop me from being awesome at this. Like, she spends the next, the following 14 books just being like, no, fuck you. I totally can do that. I can do that and I can do that right now. And, then, and like, and she does most of the time. No, and that's cool. And I'm fine with that because that's like, see, that's, she isn't like a reluctant hero. She's like, I don't want this power and like gives it back or whatever. She's like, this is fucking lit. I'm going to yeah. jump right into this. My problem is we don't see her practicing ever. That's fair. It's just, she talks to Moraine and then Moraine's like, yeah, the first two were me. That one was you. And then they get on the horseback and then they run from Shadar Logoth. And then now they're separated. And she's like, oh, this one time, this blue Aja chick showed me. Uh, check this out. And then I think she that's just, like does fair. it. It's fair for what they show us. I th- yeah. I think. Um, but knowing like the book explains it more, and she does kind of like super lean into it. I'm at, I'm more forgiving of that. I'm eating everything. Well, and I'm glad that you watched it first too because. I, I, I think that's a really fair criticism that it's kind of like, you know, when you watch the third Harry Potter and you like, don't realize that they didn't reveal who the Marauders are. Cause you know that already. 
Oh yeah. Like yeah. you just sort of, it glazes when you know it already and it's already there as the backbone and you cut like the things that are missing glaze past you. Like I wouldn't have noticed that. And you're right. Like that's a fair criticism. I'm like, yeah, fucking get it. Like I, what I really liked about that was that in a change from the book that Perrin wasn't like, bitch, that is so dangerous. Put that down, which is what everybody yeah. says. Her, like her, what Egwene did not get to do because of some of the changes in how they left the two rivers, which like I say, happened fast. Yeah. Um, Egwene didn't get to push very many boundaries and she was on a little bit of a different track here than she was in the book. And I support all that. I don't have a problem with any of the changes, but she didn't get to show how much she likes to push boundaries, which she does a lot. And we will have lots of opportunity to see her do that. But everybody is like, will you stop? You're going to get yourself fucking killed. Cause playing yeah. around with the power is like not a joke. <laughs> and I really like that Perrin doesn't tell her what an idiot she's being, which to be honest, she's being pretty, that was really, really stupid. Like that was a risky, <laughs> she could have died, but I like that Perrin doesn't give her a hard time. He's like, can you, can you magic me lunch? <laughs> oh yeah. He's, yeah. Oh yeah. I forgot he says that. Okay. <laughs> can you channel some food and water? Yeah. So I, I really, I liked that, but I do hope that we get to see more of Egwene pushing boundaries. Um, and I like how we see her being really strong and being like, she's the one, for instance, when the tinkers find them, she's the one with the knife out, like in front of Perrin. Yeah. Like she's so they're doing a good job of communicating like who these people are to me. I yeah. think. No, and I I caught that too. So I'm glad you bring them up because the tinkers didn't make any fucking sense to me. Why are yeah. they like? Do you know the song? And then the kids like, hey, say this very clearly with an earshot of the woman that just asked. <laughs> and then she's like. All right, that's cool. You guys can come with us. So like, what the hell? They just repeated what that kid who's with you said for them to say. It's because they're good guys. So what, what was happening in that scene is we're going to learn a lot more about the Tinkers in episode four, I suspect, because we'll see them because that's oh, what yeah, we that's left with Aaron them. and Aaron, yeah. right? So we're, we're going to see a lot more Tinkers. So I won't explain them too much, but we're also going to get a lot more about them like in the lore like we'll we'll learn more about the tinkers but basically they're looking for the song and we don't know what that means but they know that nobody knows the song like they ask oh, everybody like if someone lied okay no it's like they ask no it's not even if someone if someone said yes they'd be stoked they'd be like please show me tell me the song like they're oh. genuinely looking for the song they just kind of get that no one knows it like it's like they can ask everyone in the world if they know the song nobody knows the song anymore like it's they're looking for for something that's been lost since the breaking of the world oh okay and nobody knows where it is or what it means, but these are their ways and their customs of what they say. And there's like a thing that you say back to them. And most people out in the world know enough about the world to know what you say back. So they're right. all kind of laughing. Like most people, if they come across the tinkers, it would be like saying, um, you know, nice to meet you. Or how are you? You would say, yeah, I'm good. Like how are you? Yeah, it is. And they don't know the proper way to say it back. It'd be like if I was like, hi, how are you? And you were like, uh, uh, what yeah. do I say? <laughs> Okay, that see that's a good see that doesn't get explained, but that is a good point of showing <laughs> that they're naive and they don't know anything about the world. 
Exactly. And they I think they try to get it across. I can see how it didn't quite make it, but I, I think they're trying to get it across because Aram, who's the friendly one who explains it, that's why he's like, like, he's like, Mom, stop being so ridiculous. Stop being such a boomer. Like, don't be so yeah. old fashioned. Like, he's like, they obviously don't know what to say. Stop yeah. being an asshole. You're freaking them out. Because well, most people would have just responded the correct way. Like if Tom Marilyn was with them. Oh yeah, he would have said the Tom would have known it. exactly what to say. Yeah, but but wasn't. Um, but we'll we'll learn a lot more about the Tinkers next week. I, for now, I'm just I thought that they looked really really good, and I love how they reminded me of gypsies, which is basically what they are, right? A little bit, yeah. They're definitely taken from like Robert Jordan takes from real world stuff and then mishmashes yeah. it, like the Aiel that we see in the mining town, which we should double back to to talk about Matt and and Tom. Um, but the Aiel in the cage that we see, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like he's from the Aiel Waste, which they'll talk about. I'm not going to talk. I'm not going to spoil it. But the Aiel Waste is like a desert, but the desert people who it's like they're the Fremen from Dune. Okay. Is, they're actually based on the Fremen from Dune. Um, and but they're white dudes with ginger hair. Like Tom points out, right? He's like, yeah. he's like, this is how you can tell because they look like this. And if they have their masks up, they're a danger to you. If their masks are down, then you're fine. Yeah, they're based off of Middle Eastern cultures, but they're gingers. Like, so Jordan does a lot of this where he like miss Mitch mashes like a bunch of things. But yeah, the Tinkers yeah. are are basically like yeah, like the Romani, like gypsy cultures. And uh, they're, gypsy. yeah, they're, uh, I like the Tinkers. I'm, we'll see more of them next week, but um, let's double back a little bit to Matt and Tom. Dude, and the, first of all, that song was so good. That was such yeah. a dope song. I would have liked for him to then pick up with something a little more cheery because Tom. Yeah. Then he just walks off. Yeah. I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I thought he was great. I was really excited when he walked on the screen. Tom Marilyn is awesome. Dude. And the way that they like introduce him is just this fucking heavy boots guy walking up and then he just sits down. I was like, this guy is important. And you see the inside of his cloak with all the colored patches. Yeah. He's he's a gleeman, right? He's a in the oh, just mm, so well done. I'm like all these little details that just look so good, and I like uh, where they where they meet up with Tom is a change, and I'm happy with that. He's originally with them from like the beginning, oh, and okay. I don't mind that change at all. I'm super happy with it. I think it makes sense that he meets up with with Matt and Rand where he does. Um, cause he is on, he is with them when the fellowship breaks up, Tom is with Matt and Rand. So oh, all right. that totally worked for me that they just like picked him up there in the, in the mining town. Um, and I just loved his, like, like, I think the show's doing a good job of distinguishing itself from other fantasy stuff where it can just be like, like most of your heroes would never allow Matt to rob the dead man. Whereas Tom, who yeah. is definitely a hero no question fight me anybody who thinks tom is an awesome and a total hero but he's just like yeah okay well if you're gonna rob from the dead you can at least help me bury him too and he like teaches him a lesson but also lets matt walk away with that gem yeah he lets him just take the gem like goddamn like, dude he's kind of a cool ass guy i love i love tom Marilyn, and i 
him killing the dark friend was pretty awesome and just being like, no, are you fucking kidding me? Like, she had to die. Let's go. Yeah. That, well, I know. And he's just like, hey, I killed her. Let's move on. He wasn't just like, I can't believe I did that. Like, I, holy shit. Like, we're crazy. Like, they were just like, oh, she's dead. We got to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like, and he knows crazy. the kids are from the two rivers. He immediately recognizes that on. Oh, that. yeah. He said it to him, like, right away. And he says, like, how have you seen a Trolloc? Right? Yeah. So he's he knows about Trollocs, too, which a lot of people don't, right? Most people, it's mostly in the borderlands, like, where Lan is from. Yeah. That you see Trollocs, because it, it borders the bad place. Um, But, yeah. Like, Tom is such a cool enigma. And I love the casting for him. And, like, because Tom has real, like, kind of sexy dad vibes. <laughs> and they, they're they doing that brilliantly. I go, oh, yeah. Yeah, he kind of, he kind of comes off as that, like, you didn't have a father, so I'm going to, uh, uh, what is the word that I'm looking for? Or the character? Long John Silver. He is, he kind of yeah. reminds me of Long John Silver. Yeah, I can see that. He's, mm, I'm so glad to see him. So I'm really, really glad to see him. <laughs> um, and I really, really liked the introduction to the Aiel. Um, and I wondered if you had any thoughts coming out of that or takeaways from like that. It was kind of hard to follow what he was saying other than like, like how you recognize them or if they're a danger or not. But other right. than that, I would just like, was kind of like, okay, yeah, he's a guy. I do want to know, like, why he has that gem and why this town of very clearly poor miners just left the gem on him. That I don't have the answer to. I don't know why they didn't take his stuff. Um, yeah. Unless they weren't able to. It's possible. That well, and Matt also takes that little... In the cage. Right. Matt also takes the, uh, the little figure of the dog, too. That was, that was interesting. That yeah. was interesting. Was it a stone dog? That might be. It looked like wood or stone or something. Yeah. And my only thought was like, oh, he's bringing that for his sisters. Maybe. Cause yeah. Because all Matt wants to do is get back to back to the two rivers. Like he doesn't give a shit about anybody else. But now he's got to go further on the run because they killed Dana. And I wonder how long this is going to last for Matt. Um, and I really, really think Barney Harris did a great job. Like, I I think they all did a great job. I think they've really, like, just... Everybody's just like I, I would have wanted them to be, you know? And I, I love Matt. And he's mm -hmm. slaying it. But I wonder how long he's going to want to go home. Like, when, if, yeah, before if ever... Like, okay, we got to turn around. Like, we got bigger yeah. problems. Well, and Matt's very, like... I... I, I don't know. I, we're gonna see. We're gonna see. I, I have spoilery th spoilery thoughts about how they can move <laughs> that along that I won't share. But I'm like, how how long are you gonna want to do this? Because we know that you can't go home. And also, like, honestly, I understand that the Trollocs like bypass the two rivers to keep chasing them. That that's what they're trying to say. But I was like, what home? Like they destroyed. Oh the yeah, two rivers. annihilated. Like, and they don't think the Trollocs would have, like, done some more damage on their way through town. Like, how do they, you know, I, I don't know. I wonder well, okay, what so... is left in the two rivers right now. I'm glad you bring that up because that was the last thing that I noticed, like, throughout the majority of the third episode. Um, 
they've been on the run this whole time, but now like there are no Trollocs anywhere chasing Lan and Moraine. Well, they lost them in Shatter Logoth um, because they didn't want to go anywhere near the city. Their best bet, actually, if they were to, like, the way that the show kind of made it work would have been to, like, travel along the outskirts of Shatter Logoth. But I guess the the Trollocs could have just watched them. They just weren't willing to come within a certain distance. But, yeah, they weren't trying to go near that city. So they lost them in the city and on their exit and and then into the water again, right? They crossed the river. So now the Trollocs have to find a place to cross. I guess that's true, yeah. Yeah, the fact that they crossed the river is what really puts them ahead where they're not being chased anymore because they do immediately cross the river like it does border like they jump off the the wall into the river right? yeah that's book accurate so um they do go straight over the river east um okay i had a question for you speaking of the geography like as someone who doesn't know the map um how far do you feel like it is to tarvalin like to get there like does what is that like a month's do? ride like to me, it feels like it should be the distance from Winterfell to King's Landing. That's a the great way that comparison. they talk about it. Like they're like, because it, it's not like they can just like get there. Like they would have been there already, or like every time. Uh, to be honest, there were a couple times like when uh, Matt and Rand came up over the hill and they saw the little mining town. I actually expected them to see the White Tower. Oh really? Yeah, I expected it to be like, we're already here. Because I couldn't figure out if the the whole first season is about them being tested at the White Tower or them just getting to the White Tower. But after the third episode, I'm like, okay, this is just about them getting to the White Tower. I'm curious how they're going to handle it because it is more than a month's ride, for sure. Okay. Like, a lot. Um, It's super, super far away. <laughs> and... Uh... And they, uh, yeah, they had a, a different, um, their route has changed. So I'm kind of like, whoa, what? Like, in the, in the yeah. book, we're not trying to go this kind of distance. And I'm like, okay. And I'm really curious what's going to happen here and like how, the, I, I don't know, because I, I don't know. But I, it sounds like they're just headed straight for the tower. And I'm like, damn, all right, respect. That's a long fucking trip on foot right now, you guys. Like, that's... Yeah, that's that's what he was saying. He's like, what, are we just supposed to walk there? And then I was like, oh, okay, this is like not like a fucking jaunt to Walmart. Like, Dude, this it's is... like three months on yeah. foot to Tarvalin. Like, yeah, I maybe a little less now that they're east of the river. Maybe it's... I, But still, like... That's going to be a long trip. So, and they put a map up in the Amazon specials. Like, it's not like it's a different, it's not a different map. I'm like, how the fuck? So I'm really curious to see what's going to happen there. And like, if I, I have no idea, but I, I hope we see somewhere along the way and it's not just nothing all the way to Tarvalin, but I don't know. I'm really curious to find out though. I'm really enjoying having questions. Yeah. I'm like, how are they going to do it? Because I'm confident it'll be good. But um, but I'm sh- what I'm confident of is that Tom and the Tinkers will help everybody get on a more expeditious route. Yeah. One way or another. 
Yeah, I feel like it's there now that we've gotten through the whole like, oh my god, we're lost. Like now they can be like, dude, just go left. Yeah, and also like how to navigate the world, like which yeah. thinkers are super good at, and so is Tom. So like, yeah, I've I I think that that's going to be really fun in the next episode to see how they try to all arrive in the same place and get back together, right? So I I can't yeah. wait to see how they. I mean, how that works out for them. I'm going to go ahead and assume, especially because it's so early on, um, if there are any character deaths, I don't think we're going to get character deaths for many, 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 many books. Uh, so very clearly, all four of these kids are going to arrive at the White Tower. I don't know that necessarily. And I don't know, because they have changed the like the route significantly. Mm. Um, like I said, like we don't, they don't go to the tower in the first book. That's not the, it's, it, they just don't. So um, I, and I like this change a lot. It makes a lot of sense and it's going to help speed along some things that I think need speeding um, and certain plot yeah. points that need to happen sooner. Like I really, I can kind of see how they're doing this and I love it. I love the way they're adapting it. But honestly, I have no idea that they're all going to end up there um and or any changes that they might make but but yeah in your 15 book series it's probably a bad idea to kill your main characters in book one like and that's that's probably logic yeah whether they're all at the tower i could not say i don't know that everybody's get. i have no idea i hope so i assume so um but i don't actually know because this could go <laughs> this could go anywhere at this point <laughs> like this is kind of up to where i knew exactly what they were going to do yeah, okay, so, like, there was no... See, this feels this feels like good pacing for if this is just going to be the first book. I feel like, and then again, I have no frame of reference, but it does kind of feel like we're not rushing through shit. Yeah, it really doesn't. The only thing that I feel like felt went by really fast was leaving the two rivers. And I can understand why they did that. Like there's and especially because I really strongly think we're going to get flashbacks to Perrin stuff. Um, so I think we'll have a lot more time to see more two rivers if we need to. So I, I think it's fine that they move through that quickly. Yeah. Um let's see. I think uh I think we've kind of hit on on everything let's look at what questions we had um and see what we didn't hit on here but let's see so yeah what do you think about Rand busting open that door those did you what did we talk oh. about this we talked about this a yeah we bit. did talk about it a little bit um yeah he very clearly can use some kind of power but that that's going back to another thing like well and that was what i was gonna say so i either think they all four are like reincarnations of the dragon um, which I also thought was a very generic name, but whatever. Um, but then at the same time, I think it's also, it could potentially only be Egwene and Rand. Like maybe Matt doesn't have any power. He's just like a fucking rogue for those of you who play D and D. He is such a rogue too. Yeah. In every, uh, God, I love Matt. <laughs> Yeah, he's. I kind of got that feeling. He wears the cloak. He's a gambler. He carries daggers. Like he Dude. fits that rogue stereotype. <laughs> Matt has, and this is not. This is no spoilers, but like 
you know, you have characters who have like their gear, right? Like Harry yeah. has the invisibility cloak and the map and, you know, yeah. stuff like that. Um, Matt has some of the best gear ever, including a dope hat that he will eventually find and like wear everywhere. Um, and a, and a really nice scarf. Like Matt has a lot of style and like will wear this hat everywhere, but he also has like, like, you know, spoilery kit that I won't tell you about, but he has this like dope hat that I just said, <laughs> Matt's the best. You know who he reminds me of, honestly? Like, when, at first he reminded me of Klaus, obviously, from the Umbrella Academy. But yeah, the more he talks and the more he interacts with people, I'm like, bro, he's literally Remy LeBeau. And for those of you who aren't familiar with Marvel Comics, that's Gambit. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. You don't even know. You don't. You just, just hold on to that. Just hold on to that. <laughs> hell yeah. Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. Man, I, yeah, Matt. Matt, uh, Matt has the, uh, the situation, right? Like, Matt has to deal with the dagger. Like, now Matt is like, in a, so, not great. <laughs> yeah, now he has this dagger that I don't know what it does. Is it cursed? Does it talk to him? Does it like knit sweaters for him? Like, I don't know. <laughs> all anything we know, about this. all we know at this point is that he was like, drawn to it drawn to it yeah and that they played creepy music when he picked it up and they focused on it a lot right like cinematically they've told us that this thing isn't it's evil and important and we know that they said don't touch anything in shadow logoth and and why would they say that if like they said don't touch anything not like like specifically just don't touch it because it's all part of like it triggered the that dark stuff to come out right like it's not good like there's obviously nothing good coming from that knife so we're gonna have to deal with whatever that is um and so all we know is is that that they told us about don't touching not touching anything um and the creepy music and the fact that matt's being an extra douchebag since he picked it up right he's been an asshole he kind of has wrong with you it Um, reminds me of a horcrux yeah it's 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 a lot like the locket yeah for sure so matt matt's gonna have to deal with that before he becomes fun so that's that's a situation (laughs) and then we have like you said with perrin um the stuff going on with wolves so we'll we'll find out more about yeah so we have we know Egwene can channel Ran busts open the door. Parents got the wolves. Matt's dealing with the dagger. Um, how much of listening to the wind made sense to you? And was there anything that you extrapolated from that information? What's the question I had for you? So it basically just felt like alternate religion to me. So like the Aes Sedai are this one religion where they can control the things that make the wind blow. Or they can control the wind itself. But then, like, Nynaeve is, like, the wind is a part of Earth or whatever. Like, this, you can hear it talk to you. Um, And that's just, like, another religion to her. It's not like one is wrong and one is right. But Nynaeve just sees the wind differently than the Aes Sedai see the wind. Kind of. So Moraine, Moraine does explain it. So I think this is like said in the show. Yeah, that um, she can, can, she, the wind doesn't listen to her, or she doesn't listen to the wind. The wind listens to her. Right. And so 
when they say this, when when the Emmons fielders talk about listening to the wind, what they mean is that they have like kind of a weather sense and an ability to like a sixth sense, right? And Egwene Ni- says to Nynaeve, um, or she says to Rand, she says, Nynaeve thinks that I can listen to the wind if I train with her. Right. And that they, and that wisdoms can do this and I'm going to be her apprentice and I need the wisdom and I'm going to learn how to do this. And when Moraine sits her down, she says, you guys call it listening to the wind. We call it channeling. It's the same thing. Women all over the world do it and call it different things. And that's a remnant of the breaking of the world that what was, so it's not so much, it is sort of, it's not really a religion. Like you can kind of think about it that way, but it's really more like how, how different, it's more political, right? It's like, how do different like cultural and political groups handle magic and the, and what do you call it and how much do you know about it? Right. So the I said, I happen to know a lot, but because of the breaking, like not everybody knows everything. So the Emmons fielders are like, yeah, it's listening to the wind. We have like this one skill that we have with it, right? Because they don't really understand it that well. But Moraine says it's all yeah. the same thing. Um, so. So in that sense, like Nynaeve being able to, quote, hear the wind is Harry being able to make the glass disappear. Yeah, then, that's a great <laughs> analogy. Yeah, that listening to the wind is is something that. Like you're that doing it, when... but you can't control you doing it. But if yeah. someone who knows how to do it shows you, then you're like, oh, fuck, I can do this all the time. A lot like that. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. a great analogy for it of like what like or or actually an even better one would be like when Voldemort is in the orphanage before Dumbledore comes. Oh, yeah. And he's like, oh, magic is what I can do. Oh, you're introducing me to this like structure around yeah. this thing that I'm aware of and I'm able to control it to an extent and I know that I'm doing it. You're here to now tell me there's a ministry of magic and I'm going to get a wand and I'm going to school. Like you just opened up this whole world around it. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah. So it's a lot like that. Um, and so I'm excited to see what that brings going forward. I don't know Good. if you're, if you're, if you're catching what I'm putting out there. So I'm like, all right, cool. We'll get there. No. And I'm honestly, I'm trying to like remain aloof to certain things because i do want to be like shocked by the show the problem is i get really like tunnel vision into shit and so like yeah. i need to know things like i need to know about the more drill and the the uh i don't really care about the trollocs because they're just like yeah the trollocs were they were good totally, they were they're fine basically explained like they're just like mindless beasts that serve the dark one yeah they looked cool though my only complaint is when they're running on all fours, that looked really bad. For some reason, that just uh, looked really bad. I thought it was cool. I don't know. I, some of their CG was the least convincing to me. Like the one that gets That's ripped I mean, apart. Like, like, yeah, some of the CG wasn't great, but I liked the concept that some of them would be on four legs. Yeah, that. I mean, the whole... The, the visualization, like the technical aspect of it, that's where I was kind of like, maybe not. But the fact yeah. that they do run and it just shows they're they're like hive mind beasts or whatever controlled by like animalistic yeah creator. they're just like told where to go by a power that learned to manipulate them like that i get but just the technical part of it when they're running through the water and there's like two or three of them on all fours i was like 
I, what I didn't like was when the one got torn in half by Moraine early in the fight. When, oh, when yeah. Nynaeve and Egwene just like took out that Trolloc, which I was like, yes! <laughs> that yeah, is correct. Oh, that's exactly what they would do. I did also like that Moraine was like, oh, you guys got this building? Sick. I'm going to throw it piece by piece at these guys. Dude, right? Like, the Aes Sedai are brutal, and I I really like that that's what uh, the White Cloak said, right? Evan Baldo was like, you guys should know about brutality, and, like, we see the Red Aja do that, like, this poor, insane man, right? Who, like, we don't even know if he did anything wrong. Well, and that was the other thing. It was like, it just shows him, like, start convulsing, like she's snapping his spine. But then, like, I, so my biggest question at the end of this was, do, when a sister meets a sister on the road, is it like, you're a Jedi, I'm a fellow Jedi, we both follow the same order. Is it like, this is my turf, what the fuck are you doing here? Because the chick in the red with the weird cheeks. Um, Leandrin. Leandrin, yeah. She just looked hella pissed to see Moraine. She was like, what yeah. the fuck are you doing here? We found someone that's claiming to be one of the dragons. And it was this old guy, middle-aged guy in a ca- <clears throat> in a cage. Excuse me. Yeah, I can't wait to see more of that next week. There's So there's a lot happening here, and I won't go too deep into it because the show's going to explain it to us. But yeah. there's a lot with the Aes Sedai. Like I say, there's seven Ajas. So if we're continuing with Hogwarts uh, metaphors, it's like it's if like there were seven, seven houses and yeah. Slytherin and Gryffindor just ran into each other. Oh, <laughs> like, okay. That's not what I thought. There's a lot of inner turmoil. So, like, ultimately, it's like Maureen said when she was telling her Aes Sedai truths, which I really hope becomes part of the vernacular of the world because it's such a great concept. I love the way that they yeah. demonstrated that. I'll tell um, you the truth, but it might not be the truth that you were looking for kind of thing. Like, that was cool. I like how she was just yeah. like, I can't believe you get this. Yeah, so listen carefully, right? Wink, wink. And I was like, oh, I shall. Like, I trust me, like, you want to listen carefully to the Aes Sedai. Um, Because they're magically bound to that. Like, they're physically incapable of flying. It it gave me very strong, uh, unbreakable vows kind of thing. Like, if she lies, would she die? Or, like, break the thing? Like, would she lose her power? Or that's the kind of stuff like I wanted to know. Like, what are the repercussions of breaking one of the three promises? All right, let's put it this way. Hypothetically, if you were to swear an oath, and you're swearing it on the oath rod that we see in the trailers, right? So we're going to find, we're going to learn about magical objects as we go forward, suffice to say. And um, when you've sworn an oath on the oath rod, let's say hypothetically you swear an oath not to lie. Let's say I'm swearing the oath. And I say, I'm not going to lie. And Scott, I promise to do whatever you say. I'm going to swear both of those oaths. And you say, okay, Lindsay, tell me that the sky is green. I would suffocate before I would be able to, because of the conflicting oaths. Because I can't lie, but I have to do what you said. I'd suffocate in trying to say it, but not be able to say it. So you can't. It can't even escape their lips. It's not possible for them to tell a lie. That's fucking dope. Yeah. Right. And so Maureen's like sweating hard when Evan falls is like questioning her. I really liked the way that they make use of that for the questioners, that it's not just torture, which it, it is, um, but also 
that it's this clever, like trying to catch you out for being an Aes Sedai thing. So yeah. really liked that. Um, and where was I going with that? Um, oh, like Maureen says, then she says, all Aes Sedai are my sisters. Cause she said, I'm going to see a sister in, in Whitebridge or something. Right. And, uh, She's like, all Aes Sedai are my sisters. And that's true. And it just sort of depends which Aes Sedai are running into each other. The red and the blue happen to butt heads a lot. The reds are kind of douchebags, if you can't tell. Um, I picked up on that. Yeah. Their whole business is hunting down men who can channel and removing their ability to access the power, if they keep that the same. Um, And so it's... <laughs> they're They're not the most friendly, but it's like Slytherin. That's not a hard and fast rule. And nor, but yeah. it's not like Slytherin in that, like, any, I'm not even going to go into that. Um, but yeah, they just, the red and the blues don't, don't like each other very much. Generally speaking, if they run into each other, it'd be great. Like if that was like one of the other Aes Sedai who I know we're going to see this season, Moran would probably be like, yo, help a sister out. But it's Leandrin. And so it's like, there's a lot of politics in the tower. Okay. Moraine also has an interesting reputation, which we I'm sure we'll learn more about, but I think it's like they have definitely posed us with the question of like, how is she on this mission? We don't know. We don't know anything about her mission right now or who knows that she's on it or it's like, has she gone rogue? We don't know any of those things. Like Moraine standing with the Aes Sedai is like a whole question mark. She hasn't said anything about that. We don't have any idea. Ever, all the kids are just trusting her on the fact that she says she's an Aes Sedai. They don't know anything about Aes Sedai or Moraine or what her plan is. Yeah. And she hasn't told anybody because the because she's a fucking Aes Sedai. Yeah, she kind of... Like, she said... She told them more than, like, most, like, wizard characters would have told them. But she also is being very, like close to the vest at the same time. I did kind of notice that. Like she's just telling them enough. Yeah. Exactly. And that's always what it is. Like I there's a huge theme of poor communication in the wheel of time. And also like kind of necessary because like Rand's being a little bit of a douchebag and people don't super trust the Aes Sedai. We see that when she comes into the inn. Right? Yeah. It's like, oh fuck. Which that scene was kind of clunky, I will say. Yeah, that seems kind of weird. Yeah, but I really liked the following scene where she was in the bathtub with Lan. <laughs> it's like, what? All right. Yes. Yeah, that was, I did like that. That was really cool. Where it just kind of like showed them like, even though they have this job to do, like they were still just like chilling out for a little bit. Yeah, it's, I just really like them. I like everything about them together. So Oh, I had one more question, and then I think yeah. I'm ready to wrap it up unless you have anything else. Um, what are your thoughts, if any, on Pat and Fane, the peddler, who we see a couple times? Oh, that dude knows some shit. He's definitely a gray. Like, he is in the middle of the road. Because when the Trollocs start attacking, he just, like, saunters off. He doesn't run or anything. He's like, oh, they finally found him. Yeah, he, like, confidently exits. Yeah. And I was like, okay, yeah. this guy either knew they were coming or, like, knows more. Or he is powerful enough to escape them without, like, needing to worry about it. I really, really liked him a lot. 
Yeah, he was. That's all I'll say. And I kind of feel like I saw his wagon when they first meet the Tinkers. Like when they're first entering the Tinkers camp, it kind of looked like his wagon was there. But really? They, yeah, but then it like doesn't show him. So I was like, oh, okay, never mind. He's not there. If he showed up next episode, I'd freak out. If he was with the Tinkers, that'd be awesome. That'd be cool. Yeah, I, just like it looked like, because I have an eye for like noticing things that should, like his cart had sp- like certain things on it. So it does kind of make sense. But yeah. yeah, if he's not supposed to be there, then yeah, it's probably just a cart that looks like it. I don't know. Like it's there's there's a lot of changes and I really like all of them. I'm really like I I really think everything that they changed is is in service of character arcs down the road and I'm like this is great. Like they're setting things up to be even better than they were originally going forward. So who knows? I'm excited to see like maybe he will be there. Like that would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know when to expect to see him next. Um but I mean, I think we will, but I don't know when. <laughs> I hope so. He was really cool. I mean, he has a name. He's I'm asking about him. We're going to see him again. He was yeah. cast. He's a he's a dude. We're going to see him again. But I'm I'm super excited. I thought they did a great job with him. I liked him like slowly just backing away from the trolley attack. I was like, oh, is that right? It's like that? Yeah, he was just kind of like, all right, I guess it's time to leave now. This town's tapped. But it's hard to tell what that's about, right? Whether, he, like you said, yeah, I had, like... I had no clue. I expected something to happen or him to show up on the road for them or something, but I, I did have a feeling we would see him again. Well, yeah, and especially because... I'm losing my train of thought on it. Sorry, I can't think what I was going to say. i don't know what it was i just lost my train of thought completely but something about him something about the way that he leaves that oh oh sorry i got it back my bad um that how much the emmons fielders don't really know about the world it's like is it just that he has seen this kind of thing happen before (laughs) yeah like is he just like oh damn it here we go again yeah like he might just know how to handle this we don't really know it's it's left super ambiguous so i can't wait to see like more about him i just i couldn't believe that as much as i really am glad this is going to be a weekly show i really love the way they're dropping it i wanted like a binge and then weekly but i can't wait i can't believe we have to wait i'm like oh my god i need all of it right now i was so worked up last night that we weren't getting all of the things from the trailer i kept having to remind myself that like we weren't getting the whole season we're not going to go to the tower today that's like the end goal we're not going to see that yeah that's gonna yeah that's that's going to be rough. That's how I'm going to be when Book of Boba Fett comes out. I'm just going to be like, oh my god, can we just like go? I would like, I get wanting to show like one episode a week or whatever, but we're also in the age of streaming. Like, and these episodes are done. So Yeah, but they do the better. Episodes. Like, I would, I would rather, I would love to binge it, but I would rather have like the hype build up week to week and the videos come out on YouTube yeah. and people be able to podcast and like all of these things rather than like when stranger things comes out and it's in the, in the mix for like a week and then it's gone. Yeah. I would rather this be in the news for a month. That sounds fantastic. Um, the boys season two did better for it That's instead true. of doing a binge drop. Right. Yeah. All of it at once. Yeah. Handmaid's tale does the same thing. They drop the first three and then they go weekly so that everybody gets a big, like, a big dose of it. And you can also have this nice 
little three episode arc, you know, like I'm hearing a lot more negative criticism from reviews that are like, we're watching the first one and then the next one than I am from people who watched all three. Cause I think you're supposed to, they're giving us all three, watch all three. Like you're yeah. before you sit back and worry about it. Um, we're supposed to see the three of these together as one. Right. Exactly. Kind of, you get the start of it and then like, you kind of go from there. Yeah. I mean, like, I can't even imagine how pissed people would be if this came all the way just once a week and we didn't have, like, Tom. Um, oh, yeah, and we have some cool, stuff. like, mainish characters still to come that I'm pretty excited about. So Good. <laughs> yeah. I'm really, really stoked. Shouldn't be long. Um, uh, so, are we ready to do ratings? So, for the first time ever... I'm actually not going to give a rating for this because I am going to wait until the end. I think that because that makes sense. I think we really felt that when we tried to do it in What If. I think it doesn't yeah. make sense to do it like that. And I don't know enough to be like, that was really well done. I still have more questions than answers, and I don't think it's fair to give a rating to something I don't have all the info for yet. I respect that, and I'm kind of glad. I'm like, so where, if you were to give like thumbs up or down though, like, did oh, you like it? Two thumbs up. Fine. Holiday fun. Like yes. it was, yeah, it was, it was awesome. I am very excited to see like who learns what and who can do what. Um, I want to know more about the dagger that Matt picked up. And I really hope that Tom is like a recurring character. I hope he's not just like, well, I got you guys to the white tower. Bye. Like, yeah. He he is kind of like he's my favorite character right now. Him and unfortunately, I feel like the Eyeless are the Nazgul. There's just like a bunch of them out somewhere. So like I want a singular villain, like the one that the Eyeless report to, maybe not the dark one just yet cuz now now that I've kind of like thought more about it, I don't think the guy they're seeing in their dreams is the dark one. Okay. And the only reason I think that is because they keep talking about how he's awakening. But Moraine was terrified to find out that there was someone in their dream. Meaning she knows that person. Or knows yeah. something about that person. And I don't think it's I don't think it's the dark one because she she seemed too familiar. To, to for it to just be the embodiment of evil. So there's a few options there for what she might be thinking that I can give you without telling you which one is correct. Um, okay. She might be thinking that. She might be thinking maybe it's not about who's in your dreams, but the fact that you're having a dream that resulted in a live bat coming out of your gullet. Oh, yeah. That could be more where her concern's coming from. Could be about the dreams themselves. Um, could be about the dark one. It is the dark. It could be that it is the dark one in their dreams and he is becoming strong enough to enter your dreams, which is not normal. And that that's a big concern because things are moving more quickly than she anticipated. Um, could be that it's someone who's not the dark one who is somehow able to do this in their dreams. So Lots like of that was the other thought that kind of popped into my head. Like this could have nothing to do with him. That could, this could just be another evil thing. Yeah, because we already know there is such a thing as a different kind of evil, which is what's in Shatter Logoth. So it could be that yeah. too. There's yeah, 
there's there's several several options, and what I can tell you is that the last thing Maureen's ever going to do is tell anybody what she's thinking. So we're not going to know for a minute what's going on or what she thinks might be going on, other than that she's very concerned about the developments. Okay. But That's... I love Rosamund Pike in this. I think she did great. Yeah, she did a really good job. She was awesome. I love the cast. I I gave this like. Because I think you're right. I think we probably shouldn't be rating them, rating them too much. It's just tough. But if I, but if I were to, I really wanted to turn this whole thing up to eleven. But I just like recognize that that's my emotion. Like it's actually really hard for me to give any kind of rating because I just seeing these characters on screen done this well. I really thought it was. I really thought it was done well. Yeah. <laughs> just, I. I just can't believe that it's really happening. You know, I know like, we're finally here. Yeah. You know, this fandom that is for as big as it is and for as much as it has grown over the last couple of years, while well, the show's been in production before that nobody knew who any of these guys were or what any of this meant. And I'm like, so excited that now, like I might be able to say eyes to die truth in the next two months and have people know what I'm talking about. Like that would be such a joy. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, and like getting getting texts from my friends yesterday before the watch party when other people had seen and not me and I was dying. <laughs> um, and getting texts from people being like, oh my God, I love Egwene or Nynaeve is such a badass. And I'm like, I, the fact that anyone even knows what that means is enough for me to turn this up to 11. Yeah. But if I'm trying to be fair, I, I tried to dial it down to a nine just of like, there's pro it's probably not perfect. I is the best I could say. Like I really <laughs> liked it. Um, and with with villains, I dialed down to an eight. Yeah. The reason for that being that I know what's coming. The villains in the Wheel of Time are awesome. And will get more awesome as we go forward into the rest of this season and probably even more so in other seasons. And we get a little bit of a glimpse of some of that like of where it's going in the dream, right? We see a bigger right. bad than what's on the ground right now. But we're just getting a taste of it. The Trollocs were a little iffy on CG. I thought the fade looked really good, yeah. though. Um, I like how they leaned into the horror. And I really liked how they mentioned Ishamael. I want to draw attention to that. The dark friend mentioned Ishamael. And said the last time that somebody brought the dragon to the dark one, they were a Shamael and now they're on oh, whatever yeah. and they're a super bad guy. Right. I was like, yeah, yeah, that's correct. So I super liked that name drop. Um, and I suspect we'll get more similar ones as we go forward. And I'm like, yeah, foreshadow all the, all the really bad guys. Like, that's <laughs> awesome. Cause there are armies of senseless Trollocs led by the fade and the whole high, like all that's happening, but there are also bad guys in this story that are like, like have a, a personality. And I'm like, yeah, like <laughs> foreshadow all of that. That'll be awesome. I really like the diversity of the bad guys. We talked a lot about the white clothes and about Leandrin and just like it's it's a complicated world out there. And I love that the Wheel of Time has a lot of black and white, like this is evil concepts. Yeah. It also has a lot of much more complicated gray area. There's a little bit of something for everybody here. And I was very happy. I, I think it's safe to say coming out of this. That's my, my, my end thoughts. I'm a very, very happy person today. Absolutely. And I think it does a good job of setting up the, like, it can only get darker from here kind of thing. 
Totally. Like, it's not going to get better. Yeah, it can't get better. Yeah, we know things are escalating and it's all going to come into this crescendo, right? Of like, the Dark One is breaking loose and the Dragon Reborn will either side with the Dark One or not. Yeah. And I love the way that they set up, you know, what the Dark Friend was saying, right? No, we want to end the wheel. We want to stop human suffering. Whereas Tam is saying the wheel turns so that we can try and do better next time. And which of those makes more sense? Like, it's like, I get what she's saying too, right? With wanting to to end the wheel and stop stop it going over and over and continuing to happen over and over. It's, a, it's an interesting and complicated situation. And the dragon reborn, whoever that may be, is going to need to decide how they want to handle the immense power that they're able to access. Like they said, the Dragon Reborn is supposed to be the most powerful channeler ever. Yeah. Uh, And it's going to be a really, really interesting thing to watch how that pans out. Because basically what they're saying is like they, they need the dragon to end the world. If that's what they want to do, if they want to end the wheel, the dark one, like they kind of need the dragon. Um, So they're not trying to like kill him. That's not what it sounds like, right? No, not at all. Not based on what she said, just based on what what she said canon in the show. Yeah, like, based on based on the way she was talking, she wants to get their help through like combine them with the dark one to break the wheel and stop this like cycle of destruction, I guess. Yeah, but also that on the flip side of that that there is a lot of destruction the dark one can do. It just doesn't sound like the Dark One might be able to actually end the spinning, the turning of the Wheel of Time without the power of the Dragon Without them, yeah. Right? And that's what they want to do, but that doesn't mean that there's not a whole hell of a lot of trouble that they could cause without actually doing that. And so the the Aes Sedai are saying, well, Moraine is saying, come with me because I'm going to make it so that you fight against the Dark One. She said, there's one who could stand against the Dark One, and it's you. So... If the dragon was, you know, to do nothing, the world would probably be a pretty shitty place because the dark one's going to continue to escalate, right? May not be able to actually end time, but things are certainly going to get shittier. Oh, yeah. There's there's no way that the way she talks about the breaking of the wheel would be the way she envisions it. Well, that's the other thing too, right? It's like, who knows what they've told her to recruit her to do this. Cause she does say that, yeah. like that she was, um, you know, they came and offered me this chance to help, right. Yeah. To be a dark, a dark friend. I like dark friends are like any, I mean, dark friends are everywhere. So I really appreciate that she was there. Cause like there's, there are dark friends everywhere, but you can be a dark friend and just be like, I'm a dark friend. And like, you tell somebody like, yeah, I sign up. I'll be a dark friend. And, like, you might never be asked to do anything. And you can just be, like, a poser dark friend. And then all of a sudden somebody might show up and be like, yo, for real, though, we need you to go do this crazy thing. Well, see, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's what I'm anxious to see is, like, who is actually speaking? Because up to this point, the Trollocs don't talk. The Eyeless don't say anything. They just scream. Like, no villain has actually said a word. Nope. Not a one, unless we count the dark friend, right? Like she 
she was talking. Right, but she's like the lowest of the lowest totem pole in this villainy, this villainy pyramid. So like, yeah, she who came to her and was like explaining all of this stuff and like opening, like not really opening her eyes, but like opening her eyes to these changes or these possibilities. Someone had to come yeah. in and be like, yo, dude, grab a drink. I'm going to explain some shit to you right now. Let's wrap. So, like, dark friends can operate in kind of a pyramid scheme. So, it could be another dark friend. Like, it could just be like oh, someone cool. higher on okay. the totem pole. Yeah. Like, which is this is why I think Perrin's wife being a dark friend could be a real possibility of like one who just never had to do anything. Like, she just she just was one though. But then, like, yeah. when the dog showed up, she was like, oh, fuck. She like got given a chore to kill Perrin. That's not unrealistic to me. Um, but so it could be another dark friend, but also it could be the Merdral, the Eyeless. Um, they, do some Merdral do talk um, and give orders, not all. Um, but so it's it's likely another dark friend, but of what caliber? Like there's a lot of, we're going to learn a lot about them. So that it's a great question and one to keep in mind because um, everybody reports to somebody, no matter how high up you go. And that's always a question that you should be asking. Hell yeah. I'm so excited. This is going to be so yeah, good. It's going to be awesome. All right. Take us out of here. Let's, uh, we're, we, we did good to come in at like under three hours for three episodes yeah, in one episode. Fuck it. Two hours and 20 minutes or so, but yeah. Whatever. So obviously guys, uh, we will be continuing to do more and more of these episodes as they come out. Like Lindsay said, during the Raiders episode, um, we are going to be taking somewhat of a break this coming week due to the Thanksgiving holiday for us here in the U S um, once we return, I will, or once I return from California on Sunday, we will be recording for the fourth episode of wheel of time. And then we've got, Oh my God, dude, we've got a bunch of exciting shit coming up, but star Wars, right? Yeah, we've got um, the, well, no, actually, before that, we have the Dalmatians extravaganza. Oh, yeah, December 1st, we'll be doing all things Dalmatian. Yeah, we got to get, uh, we got to get that shit done. And then yeah, we thir- do. I almost did it again, son of a bitch. Susan is not part of Thursday. <laughs> She's going to, um, I'm going to tell her that She's going to think it's hilarious. I'm going to delete this off our calendar. I keep reading it and I'm just like, shit. But yeah, and then the <laughs> 3rd of December, we're putting out the Return of the Jedi uh, episode. We will finally be finishing up with the original Star Wars trilogy. Uh, we got we got a lot coming up. We got jumping into some John Hughes movies. Then we're going to be taking that Christmas episode detour right into Spider-Man No Way Home. Yep. Um, so, yeah, we, we've got a lot. Uh, we've got a lot coming up. So make sure you stay with us. If you guys have any questions or if you know more about the Wheel of Time than I do, which is very, very not hard to do. Um, and you want us to go over something or if you think I'm a dumbass and I wasn't paying attention to anything. Let us know in the in the Gmail. Uh, hit us up at behind the timeline or go behind the timeline at gmail.com. Let me know on Twitter at behind timeline. Lindsay is posting awesome memes all day long on Instagram. You can find us at go behind the timeline uh, there for all your updates. If you have a question, if you want to be on an episode of Wheel of Time and kind of discuss something, if you're as big a fan as Lindsay is, which I find hard to fathom. But... <laughs> um let us know we will absolutely we would love to have you guys on here as you know from past episodes we're not strangers to bringing people on so 
yeah thanks for all the support guys make sure to subscribe wherever you're getting podcasts and stick with us for all this wheel of time stuff and yeah and until we see you for the 28th for episode four stay nerdy stay nerdy guys